my fellow Brappentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the Professor Emeritus of the Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, Mr. Shaheen Alvande. Home. Home. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi, Shaheen. How <laughs> Hi, are you? Everybody. <laughs> Hi, uh, Dr. Nick. <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm I'm still wearing my motorcycle gear, by the way. This is the first time I've sat in your in your beautiful couch. Just I'm still wearing my you're riding the pants. Gear. You got the shoes on too. The I got boots? the boots on. Oh, look at you. Oh man, I'm I'm ready. I've been Are riding. You comfy? A lot. I've been riding, man. I okay. got tired of this whole quote unquote winter thing. You know what? I was thinking about it just just today. We've had a pretty tame winter. I've been able to get some pretty good miles yeah. in January. And Facebook keeps reminding me of all the snowpocalypse of of yep. Portland past that have that have come and gone. Or like, oh yeah, well, that we haven't really had any snow. I don't think we've had that many nights below freezing, if any. Uh, maybe I one or two. One or two max. But it was like I haven't 32 even shut off degrees. My... It was like 31 even. Yeah, no, no. I haven't had to do anything with my uh, you know, lawn watering system, the irrigation system. I think I've I think I've put on more miles this last week than I did all last month, though. I'm ashamed to say. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I just I got to the point where I was just commuting back and forth to work and it just it lost its little something something for me. And so instead of being like, I want to take the back roads and, you know, enjoy my commute, I just want to get home. So this week it was it was a rain or shine kind of thing. And uh, thanks, global warming. But we had a lot of sunshine here in January. Yeah, we did. We haven't had as many rain days as, as you would expect. And truthfully, like Portland doesn't rain as much as people think it does. Shh, don't. And it couldn't be farther from the truth. It we, rains a lot, but it's like this cute little mist, and it doesn't really get away of, no in the way deal. of anything. Other than the fact that it completely shuts down the roadways because it's still like a mystery to Oregonian drivers how it's raining. This like, wetness whoa, whoa, from whoa. the sky. What this is this? Ha- this happens all the time, but I don't understand <laughs> what to do with it. <laughs> and everybody drives an all-wheel drive car. Like, fuck, just go. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> Why'd you buy a Subaru if you're not going to do the thing? <laughs> Next time I hear you with your snow tires and you're going slow, I'm going to ram you off the road with my Multistrada. I legitimately have a trigger when I hear the studded <laughs> I, snow tires. I hear that it drives noise. Me, drives me absolutely bonkers. Uh, for those of you who don't know that sound, it's a very unique sound. It sounds like the tires are going over bubble wrap. Yeah, that's just a good pop, way to pop, pop, like The little bubble wrap, not yeah, the big tiny ones, little the little one. Yeah, the ones that you do nervously when you're waiting for something, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's a fun thing to do. That's what it sounds like. You can hear it coming from half a mile away. Drives me insane. Anywho. Shaheen, what, what what else have you been doing on two wheels? <laughs> like, we need to get off of this before I uh, lose my mind. A buddy of mine just bought a uh, KTM Adventure 1290R. Goodbye. Dude. Goodbye. He let me ride it. I remember I may have said some nice things, not nice things about KTM as far as the way they look. I feel like I have to put it on record. I changed my mind about that bike. That's a good looking bike. Dude, that is a handsome motorcycle. And it rides really, really well. For a 21 inch front wheel, it does not feel vague. It does the thing. It comes with TKC 80s, which are the 50 50 knobby tires, mm-hmm. which is KTM basically saying, no, you're buying this bike. It's coming with knobbies. You, you should ride it properly. Um, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to do the thing, by the way. <laughs> but I have a problem with it. I have one problem with the bike. And I just, uh, I was kind of, maybe somebody can cor- correct me on this thing. On my Ducati Multistrada and maybe some other motorcycles, you can go into the modes and do fine tuning say i want this much power this much abs yeah. this much traction yeah i probably spent 15 minutes on his bike today and i couldn't figure out how to fine tune it there's no you have to get a dongle which is what he got 
to be able to shut off ABS altogether or traction control altogether. And then it's got a giant yellow banner at the bottom of the screen that says illegal. It literally says illegal at the bottom of it. Huh. Yeah. I had an S model recently and you could do all those things and it didn't say illegal. I don't know if there's differences in the years. I'm not as good with my KTM adventure bikes on that. I don't think they've changed much because you had a 17 or an 18? And an 18. His is an 18 as well. I think it's the same basic it's dash. Got, it's got the Fish Finder dash. Yep. Yeah. That's a great dash, It's by the way. such a clear, beautiful dash. And the headlight on that thing is killer. Yeah, headlight's great. I would echo that this is somewhere where I feel like KTM could make some, some difference. So my experience with the S, having not run that, that R that you're talking about, you can change, like, you can, you can separate out, like, the throttle and the traction control and the suspension. Hmm. But there isn't really like a granular like, hey, I want this at a level seven yeah, exactly. or a level eight or a level six, and then set that up as you go. Whereas like some other brands, like like I think your Ducati does a good job of this, yeah. it does let you kind of have that kind of you can have finite control over the Ducati's everything, basically. And and I mean it comes out of the box set up a certain way, but you can go in there and say, No, 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 I want it to have less or more of every tiny little thing. So on the on his KTM, what I found was you can go into ride mode and say, I want to be sport versus touring versus off-road. Right. And it sort of adjusts the ABS and the traction accordingly. And it almost seems like KTM says, listen, we're the smart ones here. We know how it should be. Just put it on the mode you want it to be on and the bike will act accordingly. Whereas Ducati says, hey, we're going to set it up in a suggestive manner of what you should use. But if you want to go in there and really fiddle with it, have fun. Stick your finger in any hole you want to do it. So all that to be said, the bike just feels super narrow and super lightweight, and it and it flicked around really easily. I'm I'm really excited to maybe take it off road a little bit and throw it around because it has a 21 inch wheel up front and an 18 wheel inch in the back, e inch wheel in the back, whereas mine's got a 19 and a 17, so it's a little more touring biased, I think, on my bike. Yeah, it's um. I wish more brands would get on board with that because there's a few out there that they just kind of want to lock you in like, oh, you're in Turing mode, so this is what your settings right. are going to be. And you're like, well, Turing to me might not be Turing to you. Yeah. And, and you know, like I want to change things around a little bit. But overall, I really like that oh, package. Man. Sharp, sharp, sharp. That package. motor's got so much grunt yeah. to it. It sounds so, oh my gosh. Just stock with that massive muffler sticking out the right side of it, it still sounds so good. Yeah. It's just uh, beefy. I did definitely some wheelies down McLaughlin. I'm not like a wheelie guy. Like that thing just has like, it just makes you want to do good it things. It just lets you do it. I had someone just describe it to me like, just think of it like a big supermoto. And you're like, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, that's about right. It kind of is. I mean, it's it's a little big and a little portly, but if like, I, I, I think I was telling you uh, one of these podcasts, so if I had to buy only one bike. That was it? I'm getting no, the it was the S. I was getting the S yeah, just because I S. like the 19 inch wheel right. more for the road. Whereas like, I would probably never take it off road to really need the 21 inch. I at that point I'm probably just going to want a dirt bike, and that defeats the whole one bike theory. I think that's what I like about mine because mine has the 19 inch wheel, but they're still spoked and they're they're really kind of heavy duty and hardy. Heavy, yeah, they're really heavy, super heavy. Oh, sorry, that's I didn't hear the. That's duty all I heard part. was heavy. I just heard heavy. I, I stopped listening. I, I've after hit some. That. I've hit some shit on my bike, and for a 600 pound bike, those wheels don't have a single ding on them yet. That's because for a 600 pound bike, 150 pounds are in the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> careful i don't want you to spit. there's almost whiskey all over the place here <laughs> you're not wrong i've picked them up it's an it's an exercise i think any like ducati rider should fit exercise <laughs> it is. Like, you should buy a set and just walk around the neighborhood how do you know a ducati rider goes to crossfit it just because they ride a multi strata enduro <laughs> he just tells you about it <laughs> wow the bar next door is excited sports somebody scored there's yelling sports, and screaming sports ball Woo! expert sports ball going on as long as nobody poops in the road, I'm happy. Oh, my God. 
gosh. And if you do poop in the road, you know, make it funny at least. Portland, stay classy. <laughs> Only parts of it. Oh, my goodness. Um, so you got to ride the KTM. Any, anything else going on? You got right? to ride the KTM. Uh, Are you still? So here's, sorry to interrupt you. KTM or Ducati? Which one did you still get? Still oh, going Ducati? You know, that's the thing. I, ugh. I love a I love, lot of I things about the KTM right now. I know I'm squirming, and here's honestly, had I had I not played with that interface, I would have probably been swayed a little more towards KTM because that bike really scratches a lot of itches for me, and that it's just it feels a little hardier than my bike. It feels like it feels like it can handle bumps and irregularities on the road on the on the off road side of things a lot better. Yeah, and it still has cruise control, and it still has you know lean angle sensing ABS and lean angle sensing traction on it, but. My Ducati at the end of the day, when I ride it, it just, it's a little more luxurious, I think. And the fact that I can play with all the little electronics a little bit more, uh, I like that a lot. The, the My qualm with the KTM was, and this is where I would love to hear your opinion on it. It doesn't have the electronically adjustable suspension on the R model. You only get it on the yeah. S model. Okay. So is the, are they doing that, you think, to because it's more robust and it can handle more bumps and the electronics can handle it? Because Ducati seems to think otherwise. You know, I haven't had a conversation with with KTM on on why they did that, and that would be actually a good a good one to to um, pursue. If I had to guess, I would say the purpose of the R model is to be a true like around the world adventure bike. Yep. Take it off the trail, like that's why they gave it a twenty one inch front wheel. That's why it's got a big fuel tank and all those all those things. And I think. If you start going into the nether regions of ADV Rider, you're going to find this vocal group of like, well, that's just one more thing that's going to go wrong. <laughs> that's one more thing that's going to strand you on the side of the road. I think we talked about those riders and they're going away slowly. They're going away slowly, but I think that is very much in that space, something that's very real, where it's this idea of like points of failure and like yeah. that could be the thing that that leaves you for dead on the side of the road. Like, like you know, there's just this adversity to technology. Yeah that that could be trying to appease um maybe there's a technical thing in the suspension i really should pursue this i think that's a really good a good thought process i'm gonna write a note to i agree with the simplicity being better in instances of this uh i was telling you about what i want to start doing this you know later on in spring and summer it was a lot more bdr rides and right you know i'm, I'm even thinking about what i'm going to be packing and i'm simplifying a lot and so i get it if the bike is a little simpler it probably makes it you know less things will potentially go wrong. And, you know, this is if you're of the mindset of this technology could go wrong. You're right. If it goes wrong and the off chance that it goes wrong, it'll be more difficult to deal with it. Uh, but I, I just, I mean, I've got almost 18,000 miles on my Ducati and I've abused the crap out of it and everything's working. Everything's knock on wood. Everything's working really well. I I, I would echo your sentiment. I think the, KT, or the Ducati is a more polished package. You got a couple more features. You have a little bit more finite control. When you get down there, I'm very big into the dash layout and the and the switch gear and, yeah. and the interface, like the human interface element. And I think Ducati is um, one of the brands that does that the best in the industry, if not the best. They've and that's been something that they've really been paying attention to the last few years. I was just actually having a conversation with them the other night about it. And like they they invest a lot of money into their human interface design yeah. team and all that jazz. And I think it shows. And I think there's some other brands that should really stop and take a minute and be like, oh, yeah, that's how you're doing that? Huh? That's the standard, huh? Okay, great. <laughs> KTM, I think, has come on really strong. I don't love their switch gear still. It's 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 still feels kind of clunky, especially when you put it next to brands like Triumph and Ducati, who I think have done a better job of making a more premium 
touch interface. The new fish finder, as I like to call it, yeah. dash, yeah. looks great. And the layout for that it's is so really handsome. good. The only thing I don't like is like when that warning comes up. Yep. It definitely obstructs some it, stuff yeah, that you want to see. Whole, it takes over the whole bottom side of it. Right. And I had a bike, the key fob, the battery was getting low. Yeah. So just about every time I started riding, it would be like, warning, key out of range, no key. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do about it? Like, I got to go somewhere. I'm not going to stop and reset the system or whatever. But now, like, you won't tell me how much fuel I have left because right. the yellow bars <laughs> covering like three quarters I'm, I'm of it. I'm surprised that they haven't made it where it's sort of, you know, the the screen changes its size based on what's on there. I mean, like on your smartphone, right? It, everything kind of expands and Or just do that like in a more different way, like where maybe it pops up for a second. And then it goes away and it becomes like a notification just in the, the corner. Little, little yellow dot somewhere. Let me, like, just yep. let me know. Like, hey, we've we've tried to alert you and now we have a persistent alert. So, you know, it's still an, an ongoing situation. Right, right. I don't know. There, there's someone who gets they're, paid they're, they're working money on it. You to can figure tell, that out. You can tell they're in the right direction. I'm, I'm, I bet we're going to see a lot of neat features added to these. Because if you look at the new BMW uh, R1200, 1250 GS yeah. and the new KTMs and even the Ducatis, they've got these big, beautiful, super crisp and the Triumph. Uh, TFT dashes that are full color, super high definition. So I, I would, I hope, and I think the future will be that we're going to see a lot more features on them. I think if like maybe GPS. I, I think it already should be standard. But if you're making a motorcycle for the 2020 model year that doesn't have a TFT dash, yeah, then I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, I think, and this is probably a good segue into what we got to do on Friday night, you and I. Oh, I still got more stuff. You got way okay. Hold, so hold, your butt. hold, it. hold, hold on it. your butt. Hold on your Hold on to your butts because I do want to talk about our Friday oh, night, I'm so excited our romantic Friday. night together. Mm. So much happened. Love was in the air. Love was in the air, and um, it was red. I haven't done too much stuff on two wheels because I've been working. And between now and the last show, I went skiing. So sorry for going skiing. Shout out to Lee from Racer Glove though. Went skiing with him and Ben. Oh yeah, had an awesome time. Nice. Uh, if you don't, if you never checked out Racer Gloves, you should. Okay, I, I wear them. For the track a lot, and I wear them on the street. Great gloves for like half the price of what Dainese oh. and Alpine Stars are doing. Have you not checked these out? I have not. I've been <laughs> my racing gloves are really really goofy. A lot of people make fun of them, but I love them to death. Icon brought back the Timex gloves. Oh, that's right. You have those. Those things. are the Knight's Armor Titanium Outer oh Shell God. bullshit gloves. I love them so much. They're they're probably the most comfortable things I've ever worn. They're ostentatious as hell. I bought a pair when they first came out back in the day, and then they came back. They used to be like a hundred bucks a pair. Now they're like three hundred, three hundred fifty bucks a pair. Are you sure you don't have like a lineage that goes back to New Jersey or something? I mean, I married a Jersey girl, so I got to keep. Oh, up that's the, what it is. Yeah, you gotta, that's what it that? is. Those things are. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a polite word. To be fair, when they, when they came out, they definitely caught my eye. They're an interesting, they're an interesting glove. I don't, they're very interesting. That's just they're, they're, just, they're interesting. Interesting, interesting can go either way. Interesting. I get a lot of compliments and a lot of head scratches. <laughs> but then people like people see the gloves sitting on my uh, track bike and they don't know necessarily whose it is. And then they see me put them on, they're like, "Oh, it's you." <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that would be what I'd be grabbing, but I would recommend checking out these racer gloves. Okay. I, I like the product. Um, I like Lee. He's a good dude. So shout um, out to Lee. Yo. Shout out to Lee. Good skier too. We had a lot of fun. Nice. I I did some snow stuff too. I've been snowshoeing. Oh, that's right. I did see your. I was. I didn't get an invite to the snowshoeing. Well, I mean, I didn't get an invite to the skiing. So it was we a romantic. Can't be together all the time. It was a romantic Jensen. getaway, Shane. So was my snowshoeing. All right, fine. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Team Ann wins again. All the time. Team Ann. 
That should be a shirt. Just hashtag T man. Hashtag T man. There's random people wearing it. I can just see her scratching her head. Like she doesn't listen to this, so she she'll be like, "Why are it, random?" people? It's like when I talk about my mom. I 100 know one. My mother does not have time to listen to a podcast. <laughs> Two has no idea how to download a podcast onto her an iPad and listen to it. And three does not know what a podcast is. She knows what Facebook is though. She's been to the live show. Still does not know what a podcast is. <laughs> she's just like, oh, everyone's just here to talk about motorcycles. So that's is so it sweet. like AM radio? Yep, mom. AM radio. Yeah, it's, uh, it's on the television box. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I went down that rabbit hole. I just want to finish one thing before before we move on. Because I didn't get a clear answer from you on the KTM versus Ducati. And I want to throw just a quick... I just squirmed and giggled and walked away. Just a quick wrench into your plan. What is it? The... Multistrada 1260 Enduro is 24,400. KTM says the 2019 Super Adventure R is going to be 18.5. Yes, but. But. Give me your butts. The KTM Super Adventure R comes a la carte. It does. No heated grips, no panniers, no anything. Is there $6,000 worth of difference oh, there? Oh, hell though? no. How much is the S model? Because the S model is a lot more like the Multistrada. Enduro. Uh, it's pretty close. I think it's. I think they might even be the same price. I would be curious see to see what it would cost because I remember somebody said that to me about BMWs. Yeah, they're like the an, same price. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what it would cost by the time you outfit one exactly like the way the Multistrada Enduro is. So panniers, the whole nine yards, center stand, uh, heated grips, everything. Because I think KTM's thing, according to my buddy, is when he bought it, they were like, "Here's the motorcycle. If you would like any of these nice sides, want some baked potatoes, you got to pay extra. You want heated grips." extra yeah you want some bacon extra yeah which is fine i get it and that's kind of allowing that's going back to what you and i were talking about before where it's allowing you to take control over the customization of your motorcycle right bmw is notorious for this where it's like oh the base model is only twelve thousand dollars but you will never find a base model in a dealership because they come with all the freaking packages and by the time you do that that twelve thousand dollar base model price is really like sixteen seventeen eighteen thousand msrp that's the case with the ducati because the ducati base model enduro without anything on it is about 21-ish, I think. So it's priced sort of accordingly. It's a couple grand more than a KTM. It makes sense. And I don't know if Ducati's doing it anymore because a couple of years ago, you could buy a Ducati Multistrada, sort of a la carte, and then add all these different packages that they had for it. Because uh, then you can get the touring package, the uh, urban package, the enduro package, and then the sport package, which is just the most bullshit package in the world. It's a slip-on exhaust. Um so then it would get more expensive. But again, the Ducati dealerships just realize that when somebody's buying a Multistrada, they want the panniers, they want the center stand, they want the heated grips. So it's just easier to buy them uh, from Ducati setup already that way so you don't have to charge somebody all that labor. So I don't know. The question I have is what does a KTM cost by the time you outfit it? Uh, apples I, to apples. Yeah. And I think it'll still be cheaper than the I Ducati. I think it'll be considerably cheaper. I think several thousand dollars cheaper. Probably. I would say so- at least two grand cheaper. I know you're you're doing a really good job of skirting the issue, but which one are you picking, Shaheen? Uh, uh, I'm not letting you off the hook. I think I'm going to stick with my Ducati. Ah, drink. Drinking. <laughs> they got you. They got you good. Here's why. I think the KTM, like you said it, is still missing that little bit of refining because they, they're pretty new to this game compared to Ducati. Ducati's been doing the street thing forever. The street thing, yes. Right? I would say the dirt thing, not so Oh, no, no, no. I I get it. But the street thing, Ducati's been doing for a long time. So the refining has been there, and they've had a chance to make these mistakes years ago. If you look at a Ducati's handlebar and the way it was set up, fuck, 2014, it it was a shit show. There was all these 
multifunctional buttons that you had to press three times to do one thing. Right, 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 right. So, but you look at one now and it's like, oh yeah, they've, they've understood it. They figured it out. I bet KTM's next iteration will be there. And that's not that far from now. So maybe I'll change my mind and the next one comes No, up. in fact, we've seen some spy photos of the new 1290 Super Adventure thing out there. It looks like it's getting mostly a cosmetic bump, yeah. probably for Euro 5. I think that's all it really needs, cosmetic bump. Because it's a... Uh, dude, I rode that bike and I giggled. I got on it and I'm like, oh, damn it, I like this thing. My only quasi-deal break, the only thing that would even get into the realm of like, ooh, I was going to get it until that 1300cc motor does not sip the fuel and it only encourages you to whack that throttle. Oh man, it's not does it horrible. Ever. It's not horrible gas mileage, but it is not hard to make the gas mileage suck. Uh-uh. That's. I mean, my Ducati's the same way though. Yeah. If I take it easy on that thing, I'm getting 40 miles a gallon yeah. all day long. Yeah. But the minute I ride it the way Shaheen wants to ride it, I'm at like 32 miles a gallon like that. It's nothing. And the KTM, this poor friend of mine is in the break-in mode right now, which by the way, I think is the most, ugh, I hate break-in so much on a motorcycle that the fact that we in motorcycling are still dealing with breaking in our engines versus like you buy, you buy a car, just go drive the damn thing. But he has to break it in. So it means he can only go up to like 5,000 RPM. He has to constantly introduce positive load and negative load to the engine and go through every gear and not be in the same droning position on the throttle the whole time. Yeah, try doing that on that motor. Try not going over 5,000 RPM on that motor. It's bullshit. It is so much fun to rev up, and it just it just gives it back to you, and it's like, yeah, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> I love that bike. It's like a close second place to my bike. Like, I give the Ducati a 9.5, and I give this thing a 9.4. It's okay. right there. I have this idea. Let me tell me what you think about this. Is, this is, I shouldn't even be saying this. Shane. I shouldn't be saying this. this careful, is, careful, this inside baseball. I want to start reviewing bikes with an absolute review score. Ooh, let's do it. Which just means like I would score one 108. What's 108 mean? I don't know. But it's one point better than the bike I gave a 107 to. So that way, like over the <laughs> I like it. I like because it. This is this is the thing I was thinking about. Like, well, how much better have bikes gotten over time? And then you can't go back and look at reviews and be like, oh, well, this one got a 79, and now bikes are scoring like a 95. So there's like, you know, almost 15, 16 points of spread there. That's how much better they've gotten. You just hear like, this bike's really good. Five stars. If you're lucky, you'll see something that says like five stars, yeah, four no, no. stars. I got, it got a 94 out of 100. But you go back and look at like a lot of these reviews, they all get like 94 out of 100. So by that measure, have they not gotten any better over the last like 20 years? You're like, well, that's not obviously the case because technology has changed and like, it's really hard to find a bad chassis these days. It's really hard to find a bad engine these days. It's hard to find bad brakes and hard to find bad suspension. So when you do see it, it's like, whoa, really? You guys, did you literally get brake pads made out of wood? Did you? <laughs> I, I didn't know you could still do that. That's very interesting <laughs> that you chose to do that. You know, not minus five points. But I want to have like this, start doing this like rolling thing. So that way you can say like 10 years from now, like, oh, the 2050 Ducati Panigale is this much better than the 2010 Panigale, mm-hmm. and wow, because here's the score. I can and tell it you ought it. to keep going up, right? That yeah. should be the that's the hopefully aim. they keep going keep up, going and then, up, and then when one goes down, like it'll be really readily Whoa, apparent. Like, what'd you do? Wait, how did the new BMW get a 103 when the old <laughs> one got a 105? What are you guys doing over there? And it's going to be based on expectation. As it gets better, we expect it to get better. Yeah. So if it doesn't, that might be a negative. Yeah, hmm. I'm working on this. I'm percolating on it. You should percolate. I would this love be- to hear feedback on this. Um, moving on, uh, I got nothing too much to report in my world, except I have an interesting quandary. Okay. And I wanted to do, I made you do a little homework while I was eating mac and cheese before the show. 
Um, so I have to return some motorcycles and I want to bring a motorcycle back up with me. Uh, Honda is, is opened up their garage to us. What bike should we get? What? I didn't, you didn't tell me this. I'm not emotionally prepared for this. I know. (gasps) I'm so happy right now. Okay. So the question is you have to take a bike you have back to Honda. Right. And you have to bring back something, but they're giving you an open. I want to bring something back. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a caveat. It has to be in their press fleet. And there's a couple bikes that. What's um, the caveat? It's just, it has to be in their press fleet. Oh, that's it? Yeah. But their press fleet's essentially they're, all street legal stuff? In theory, everything that they have on the website should be in the press fleet, except there's some like 2019 stuff that isn't out yet, like the CB500X, the new version. Is the 450L going to be available? I talked to them about that. That was kind of like my first thought, just because I want to go do some brappy riding. That's that time of year. And I think if I wanted to get it for a short period of time, that would be fine. I think where they're at now with the press cycle... It's still too new to have one like they can be like, oh, yeah, I take that for three months or whatever it is, because I ain't driving down there after like two weeks of, of like, that's a long, that's 15 hour drive. I'm not doing that. That is a hell of a drive. That's one way. What, when are you, when do you think I do this? I got to do this in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to think if I'll be in town, if I can go with you, cause that'd be a fun road trip. Um, okay. So my first choice is probably the 450L if you can make that happen. Yeah. If they're cool with you keeping it for like say two three weeks at least, because I feel like that I need at least a couple like a month at least a month because during that turnaround like it it kills me because that's like yeah. five days on the road basically. Um, honestly, the monkey monkey would be interesting. That's monkey interesting would be super thought. fun. Yeah. In fact, if they can give you maybe two monkeys so that you and I can go around and kind of have fun with them, mm. maybe do a little road trip around here, mm. a little monkey around brap session. Okay, I like where your heads at. I was thinking. Goldwing, and just do the Goldwing challenge. N- not allowed to drive my car for a month. You could do I it. I can only do the Goldwing. You could totally do it. I mean, unless there's ice on the ground, you could. No, totally no, no, no. Do it. Really? Only do the Goldwing. You have cojones, my friend. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm I mean, let's be honest. What are the chances of me leaving the house when there's ice on the ground? Yeah, you'll be like, I have to write a story. Ooh, sorry, guys. I didn't get a chance to go. I'm going to invite you to come to my house all the time for I don't care what the weather is. <laughs> Jensen, I made brisket. Ugh, don't you want some? <laughs> I'm going to taunt you with food. Okay, uh, so my first choice would be the 450L if they could let you have it for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pair of monkeys. Mm-hmm. Listen, Honda, a pair means two of them, so four tires. <laughs> like a pair of monkeys in a barrel? <laughs> pair of monkeys in one barrel, please. Or Goldwing, yeah. I like the idea of the Goldwing. Only, I kind of want to, I know it's it's an insurance thing, but I really want to ride one. We can figure that out. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll even ride in the back and like take video and... I don't think there's enough room. I've lost a little weight, Jensen. I was just thinking like Lemmy barely fit on a, on a Honda monkey. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about the Goldwing. Oh, the gold. The oh, yeah, we the gold the, oh my god, there's so much room in the back. Oh my gosh, the two of us on a on, oh my god, <laughs> on a monkey would be amazing. <laughs> that bike will bottom out so hard. I think the two of us, what do you weigh? I don't want to say. Come on, just say it. No, I weigh 220. All right, I weigh 240. Last I weighed myself a week ago. <laughs> so 460 pounds. I don't think that bike's got a 300 pounds. I don't think I think that goes limit. that's beyond like the what is it, the GWVR. <laughs> Okay, so it's G- yep. GVWR? G- gross vehicle, vehicle weight, weight rating. Yep. Yeah. I'm not good with the letters. <laughs> I am very curious, and this is, I was kind of bummed that this isn't in the uh, 
the lineup yet. I was very curious about the CB500X just because they've done a lot of changes to that to make it more off-roady. They put a 19-inch wheel on it uh-huh. and, and changed some some stuffings around. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of cool. I will be... Uh, one thing that's bringing me down, I'm going to go ride the Super Cub. So I'm pretty stoked to go try yeah. it out. I feel like that's a pretty important machine. I really want them to come out with a, a modern version of the Trail 90, Trail 110. I feel like that's the last kind of like mini moto they need in their lineup. Something that's that's more off-roady. The Monkey's got like this kind of off-road look to it. Kind of has the look, yeah. But I think they need something that takes like a step for like, no, like you could legitimately like go down like a gravel road. Like, like we built this with gravel roads in mind. This is why I want you to get two monkeys. So like we can go to our favorite gravel road area yeah. and see how far these things can go. I think it would go down fine. I think the, I mean, truth, truth to God, any motorcycle can go down a gravel road. Just yeah. Fine. But I, I like I mean, literally the first motorcycle I ever rode was the trail 110. And I think I like that kind of off road thing. I think that would, that would round out that lineup really quite well. I wish that Honda had the X ADV here in America. Yeah. For those of you who don't know what it's that is, it's a little is, weird, but it's a little weird. It's basically like a a silver wing scooter had a baby with an Africa twin. That's exactly. And I was I was expecting you to say Africa twin. That's what I was expecting you to say when I. Oh, because that's you. old news now. They haven't done anything exciting that makes me want to go. Ooh, yeah, I want to see this thing do something, something. I'm, this, I'm I'm expecting the Africa twin to change big time in, in the next year or so. Keep keep expecting. Dang it, Honda! I don't think so. Honda I think that, has this attitude of "we built it; it's good enough. Live with it." I think that bike. I think that bike's new enough that it's going to stick around for a while. I don't think that's going to have any no cruise control thing. Oh, I think they might update it. All right. I mean, they did the 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 Africa Twin Adventure Sports version, which has got like the more off roady stuff on right. it. I think it'll be updated, but I don't think you're going to get like an all new. It, I think I think what they need is like a mini Africa Twin. They need they need first of all they need to make the 450 rally. That needs to happen. Because that thing was awesome. That that uh, concept that they showed Ikema, right? That's rad. Then they need a 750 Africa Twin. If you want to call it a uh, Transalp, Transalp, I was going to say, yeah, fine. I don't care. But like, they needed something in the 750 range, and then you have the Africa Twin. That's you know, thousand CCs. I saw an XADV in Valencia last year in Spain, and it was a couple riding, and it had knobby tires on it, and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. I saw one recently uh, in Europe, and yeah, I, I still don't understand it. I don't either, and I think that's what I liked about it. It was just weird. Yeah. Oh, um, before I rode the 1290R, I used to hold the Africa Twin up there with my Multistrada, and now it's gotten kicked down a notch because I like the 1290R. Truthfully, I think if you're going to go off-road, if, you're, if your jam's like, hey, we're going off-road, Africa Twin. Yeah. The problem is, is I don't like the Africa Twin on road that much. No. And I really like the KTM and the Ducati on road. Mm-hmm. And I really could see like, like, you know, like, like doing, doing like the balance. It was like, well, me as a rider, let's say it's 50, 50, right? What I'm gaining off road. I'm not, I'm losing a lot more on road with the Africa Twin. Whereas yeah. the others are like, eh, okay. That KTM is such a perfect spot between the Africa Twin and my Multistrada to be able to do both really, really well. The thing that I didn't like when I rode the Africa Twin was when I had to pass, say, like a lineup of four cars on my favorite back road. Right. I had to do a little bit of math in my head. You got it. Yeah, it just doesn't have enough juice. It's only uh, like 100 horsepower. Which is a lot, but compared to my bike, I just kick it down a gear, go to warp speed, and then slow yeah. down again. I think 
I think Honda needs, especially if you look at what the market's doing, the Honda needs like a 1200, 1300cc version of the Africa Twin. Yeah, but they kind of got, got lazy on that. They put that, that like, V4 in one and it got big and heavy and kind of, eh. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just hope it's on the board somewhere because it needs to have like 150 plus horsepower. Yep. Probably, truthfully, now it's more like 160. It needs to have all the electronics. It needs to have all the things. And, you know, it's okay if it costs $20,000 because all the other ones do. The one thing I will say about the, uh, the Africa Twin that is rad, guess guess the base value, the base price. That is actually what I was going to say. Price-wise, I thought the base was like twelve three or something. 13.6. I think when it came out, it was closer to yeah, 12. Right. It's kind of creeped up since. But still. But still. That's that's four that's less price. than, yeah. That's half the price of the Ducati. It's literally half the price of my bike. You could buy two of them. God dang it. You could, you could just take the... You can buy two, take the engine out of the other one, slap it into the side of of, of your current one. <laughs> have, have, have a V4 <laughs> Africa, or not a V4, inline format Africa twin. <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> I don't think it works that way, Shane. I'm not a I'm not a mechanical guy. I thought you were just saying you were going to go to NASA because you're mechanically inclined. Damn it, Jensen, I listen to you for everything. I just said I'm good with Legos, all right? All right, fair. I That's the thing I will never argue. The Africa twin is going to always be the best bang for the buck. I will forgive it its underpowered engine, that. It, it's the bike that if it fell down a cliff, you're like, oh, right, fuck, yeah, okay. I guess I'll go pop up in my second Africa. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to feel that bad about it. Like, if I can get like a wheel back, I'm good. <laughs> Whereas the kid, you're like, no, like that was my kid's college fund. We got to get Shit. that thing back. Or the, the Multistrada. Yeah. I've dropped yeah. mine a couple of times because I'm an idiot and I go off-roading with yeah. it all the time. And every time that happens, the people that are with me, I'm like, hey, are that's, you that's literally, ooh, yeah. that's a Ducati and you just dropped it. What's wrong with you? I don't feel like anyone cares when the Africa Twin falls over. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, it, 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 it fell. Thing. It's fine. It's just pick it up. It's fine. We're like, no, we, we extensively crash tested. I've heard you way. need to put a really robust uh, skid pad on them. They've, they're, if you bottom them out, you can, you can break things. On Which the Africa one? Twin? On the Africa Twin? On any bike, really. But the Africa Twin doesn't really come with one. It's like a plastic thing down there. That's what she said. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, I've been watching a lot of The Office lately. It's been bad. Um. Wow, we are not making progress. Like, let's just be real straight up with our, our listeners. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven bullet points to talk about. We, we just finished one. number two. Woo! Yes, nine to go. go. Buck, buckle up, kids. It's gonna right. be a ride. We can talk faster, like we're uh, we're auctioneers. <laughs> and number three in the motorcycling thing is gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole nother. I like the ones where they do it to rap. It's um, the it's the rap video, like the rap version of auctioneering. Oh yes, I've I've yes. I've, I've fell into that YouTube black hole yeah, a long time ago. Down the web or the web the wabbit hole <laughs> the, the wabbit hole. hole? Ah. Man, my I'm only halfway through my Mountain Dew. Yeah, I need you to drink that quicker. <laughs> oh, that's a good vintage. Mm, and an ice cube. Mm, delicious. So Shaheen, we we got to do a two wheel thing together. Uh, this yes. Saturday night, we went to the Ducati Ride Red event that was at Motocorsa, the first one in Portland. It was a West Coast premiere, wasn't it? It was like the dealership premiere. It's the first one on this on the tour, basically. Right. What it is is basically they brought out all the 2019 bikes and are showing them off to customers. So thankfully, Ducati basically brought them up to us for a change. Get on with it. Which one do you want to talk about? Well, we got to see the V4, the V4, the V4R, the V4R, uh, the new Hyper 950. Yep. The new Multistrada 950S. Which blew my mind. You were very excited about that Dude, bike. Dude, that was my second favorite bike in that show. I'm still having a hard time getting excited. I will tell you why in a minute, but go on. Okay. Uh, what else was there? New scramblers. New colors, new yeah, colors. basically. And Good looking colors. Was there something else? Um, Maybe that's it. Diablo. 
Oh, the Diavol. That right. was a sexy. You're right, the new Diavol. I I like the Diavol a lot. I've always liked the Diavol a lot. It's just that again, weird bike that has no place on the industry far as like a standard naming thing. What is it? Is it a cruiser? Is it a muscle bike? Is it a it's street a fighter? Is it's it a cruiser? A, it's like a performance cruiser. The X Diavol is because your feet are forward. The standard Diavol, you sit on it standard. Yeah, it's it's a solid cruiser. Huh? You can still wheelie it. Well, you can wheelie a Harley. That's fair. That's fair. I I feel, I feel like whether or not you can wheelie something is the definitive test on whether or not it's a cruiser. I feel like that's the definitive test on whether or not it's a motorcycle. To me, a cruiser is wider handlebars, feet forward, you know, low, doesn't necessarily corner side to side too well. Yeah. And the Diavol doesn't necessarily fit that. The X Diavol sort of does. It still handles pretty well for a feet forward kind of motorcycle. But the Diavol was always that anomaly to me. And I think the reason I like it a lot is because back in the day, I got to see a Confederate Hellcat. I got to ride a Confederate Hellcat That's 124. Cool. That's pretty cool. Oh, man. I, my head exploded because it was at the time I where- I buy one, but pretty oh, cool. No, I wouldn't buy one. But remember, this was the time when choppers were a thing, right? Everybody made a stupid chopper. They didn't do anything well. Those people outside are more excited than oh my God, I've heard anyone They're be. getting all up. Like, I want it to just be insane sex, but I know it's not because it's in the bar. No, they're they're probably like getting excited over- trees or ping something pong. ping pong anyway oh, yeah. so probably so professional lumber lumberjack <laughs> it, it is a northwest lumberjacks are a thing here sponsored by still <laughs> wear your car hearts carry an axe drink a light beer drink a pbr welcome to portland yeah stumptown Anyway, so everybody was making these uh, these choppers that were worthless. I, I thought they were the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen in my life. They cost a ton of money, and they didn't do anything other than be long and loud and, I don't know, choppers. Yeah, so when I got a chance to check out this Confederate Hellcat in L.A., I was like, whoa, this thing only only weighs 500 pounds. It makes a ton of power. It's got carbon fiber wheels on it. It's got this weird carbon fiber saddle that you sit on. But it was not a bike I would want to ride every day. It's still a $80,000 you know, homemade chopper, basically. And then when the first Diavol came out, I'm like, dude, that looks like a Hellcat that I would ride every day because mm. it's made by Ducati. Mm. And so as it progressed and got better and better, I always sort of had this weird soft spot for it because it doesn't do anything necessarily that well. It's still kind of a showboat bike. Uh, I would say the Ducati is fun to, or the Diavol is fun to ride. It's not Phenomenal. the it's not going to be the bike that I'm going to pick, but it is fun to ride. You can go rail some canyons with it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, for a bike with a big fat tire in the back, and I think it's the only bike in the industry that has a 17-inch wheel with a 240 mil tire on it, which allows you to kind of have better handling. If you look at all the other ones with those big tires, they're on an 18-inch wheel, so it's a kind of a flatter, it doesn't have much of a rocker to the tire. You're saying it like I care. No. Like I'm, but, saying, I'm just going like, that's really not a metric I'm following. But it handles well, which, man, for a big wheel, fat rear tire. Which size wheel is going to be uh, able to put a 240 <laughs> on it? Like, how many 8-inch wide wheels are out there on the market? I don't know. I don't know. Four, maybe? Uh, is that still a thing, the big uh, fat tire? Sorry about your penis. Hey, it's tiny, and I'll have the biggest <laughs> tire I can have. Damn it. <laughs> um. Anyway, so that was the Diavol. Obviously, I'm not that excited about the new Diavol. I do think it looks good, though. I was looking at I was checking it out last the other night, and I was like, oh, okay, this looks good. I don't. Not my jam. Not my jam at all. And it's got all the things you expect it to have, but the quick shift and blah, someone, blah, blah, It's someone's jam. And if that's your jam, that's going to be a fun thing to Ducati do. Ducati thinks it still is worth selling, so they keep making they it. They don't sell very many of I them. They don't. I don't know where they sell. I've never seen them like like crazy anywhere. The uh, numbers don't lie on that nope. one either. So but they keep making like, it. 
Yeah. And now there's two different variants. In fact, when the X Diablo came out, I thought they were just going to get rid of the Diablo. A lot of people. And did. it came back. Yeah. Um, you quite like that Multistrada. I'm kind of. Here's why I like it. It, it got a, like it. it got Tell a little bit more expensive. It used to be a fifteen thousand dollar bike. Now it's a seventeen thousand dollar bike. Well, important to note that in the United States, we're not going to get a base model. We're only going to get the S. Correct. So when the when the nine fifty first came out, they just had the it was the bare bones Multistrada. It didn't have anything. It had the segmented uh, LCD screen on it, and it had the cast wheels on it. And then and then two thousand and eighteen, they made the s model and the s basically stood for it came with spoked wheels and so it was about 500 dollars more because if you wanted to get those spoke wheels those super heavy wheels we're talking about yeah they're 2200 bucks for a set so now they're saying hey the newest version is going to have the spoked wheels it's going to have the electronically adjustable suspension it's going to have cruise control it's going to have the full color tft screen on there it's going to have the cool led headlights that are cornering uh sensitive that you know light up the corners when you go into corners with them how many times can i say corners um corners corner 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 so it's a lot more motorcycle there is a shit ton offered on that motorcycle for and i say this kind of in just only seventeen thousand dollars only seventeen oh, that's it only, that's, that's not you know you can buy for seventeen thousand dollars shaheen a lot 1290 adventure s right because they're discounting them like crazy yeah well and what does that tell you though that mm. i'm fine with it i mean that doesn't bode well for ktm no but as a consumer, I'm fine. I'm perfectly fine with that. I know. And it's funny. I always have this arguments when I was in the dealership side when people are like, how much are you going to give me for my V-Rod? Well, I worked at the Harley dealership and they bent over backwards to sell it to you. So it's worth shit. You're getting nothing for it when you want to trade it in. You get nothing. You get zero. You get zilch. You're going to get nothing. Never the box. And when you trade something in and they're going to give you 80% value of street anyway, so you're going to get even less than nothing for it. So I don't want KTM to do that. Please stop discounting the shit out of your bikes. They're making them worthless. Or, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other show. It is. That's a whole other show. So the 950 excited me a lot because now you can buy a bike that is full of the same technology that my big expensive $24,000 bike has on it. And all it needs is a set of panniers. And if you're going to be a badass touring person, you're going to get some boxy, ugly panniers. Or you get some cool, soft panniers. Are you going to stuff all your camping gear in and go do your thing for a lot less money than my bike? I like it. It made me excited. But you know what really made me excited, Jensen? Tell me that red thing with the with the with the wings, winglets, the wings. The V four R looks good in person. Oh, um, forty Gs, forty Gs. Oh, I feel bad for the people that bought the V four Speciale though, because that was though. forty Gs too. It looks good though. It looks really good, but it, for forty Gs you can have a V four I don't feel bad about that at all because. Everyone knew when they bought that bike that an R version was going to come out. Yeah, next year. that's true. They, Ducati made no mistake about telling you, like, hey, we're still working on our R bike. You know, we have to come out with a thousand CC version. When you, I, I was publishing all the nonsense yeah. about wings and stuff way, 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 way before. So. I think the Special is going to be a lot more usable for daily street riding. It's going to have the cool suspension that's electronically adjustable. The V4R is a homologation bike. Yeah. But it had. A fucking dry clutch. Dry clutch is rad. <laughs> that made me so excited to hear that noise again. Yeah, I think that was a strong move by Ducati. I feel like the Panigale V4R is the bike that should have come out when the V4 originally debuted. 100% the, the, agree. The, the subtle difference of the, the fairing design with the gills, the wings, that whole jam with the dry clutch. Because yep. then that at least would have separated it a little bit more from the outgoing 1299 Panigale generation. To give it enough ump because that was always my gripe with the 1100 
um, Panigale V4. It's just, I literally have photos of me on that bike and at the same track in the same turn with the 1299. And even I have like a, like a little bit of a minute where I go, like, which, bike which one is that? Which one's that again? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. That's the V4. That, oh, no, that one's a V twin. And that's, that's the miss for me on that. No, but, the R just looks so angry and so aggressive and it's an R bike. It's the first time since the Panigale name is brought out that I look at an R bike and go, oh, it's an R bike. And that's the thing. So I got to do the press launch with the, what I would say is the 1199 Panigale R. They, they're all called the Panigale R. Right. They were all 1199s. But this was that, that first, that first year. And, um, I got a little grief for my review because I wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> and truthfully, the big thing about the Panigale R, it was the first bike from the factory to come with a new updated throttle map. And that really was what made the big difference between it and like the original uh, 1199 Panigale series. Right. Um, they got a like a mid-year throttle map update because the guys at Bologna were like, hey, we need to change some things. And it made a substantial difference in how that bike reacted. So if you went to... The 1199 press launch and then went to the Panigale R press launch. It felt like two very different bikes. Hmm. But if you rode a production bike that had the update and then rode the Panigale R, they were pretty similar. And you sit there and you're like, okay, so for all the money in the world, I'm getting some carbon fiber parts and I'm getting a metal tank, but I'm getting really like 500 more revs and little like, like, ah, like what? There just wasn't enough material like meat on the bone there to justify the added expense and the added, you know, whateverness to it. Mostly the expense. Well, Whereas an additional like 12 grand, I think it was a bit. Now I feel like it's there at least where you've, you've made a good, a big enough cosmetic change that yeah. it's, it separates itself. You're bringing enough, you know, oomph to the table. It's, it's, it's race ready. It's homologation ready, but it still makes even more power than 1100 one does. It makes silly power. <laughs> just two, silly 234 power. horses with a full exhaust is what they were saying. 231, I think, is the real number because they're doing European oh, numbers okay. for some reason, which I don't Whatever, understand. 230 plus horsepower. They're doing they're doing just Whoa. fine. Um, so I yeah, I would sit there and be like, mm. I mean, I'm I still think forty thousand dollars for a superbike is insane money, but at least I'd be like, well, at least I understand what you're paying for. Yeah. Whereas before, like, I really don't understand what you're paying for. I Other than to be able to say like, hey, I've got the the cool one. I don't know. It's it is gorgeous. The powers that be from Ducati that were there uh were saying that the winglets actually do something. They do something, yeah. It's not like you're just gonna buy this kit and put it on your non R bike to make it look cool. It's it might actually ruin the way it handles. Uh because the entire fairing is different. Yeah. Uh so I, I I was gushing. I was just like a kid in the candy store when he fired it up and I got to hear that that old familiar clack 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 noise. Yeah, it's funny because it still had the stock exhaust on. So you heard more clutch than yeah. you heard exhaust, which I can assure you with the aftermarket exhaust is not <laughs> going to be the case because that thing is freaking ridiculously loud. Uh, I'm very, I'm very keen to get on one. Ducati keeps telling me we'll have that opportunity soon. I haven't heard details, but, but I do have some faith that we'll be on one soonish. Crossing fingers. I do know I will be very soon. By the time this episode drops, I will be just about on my way to the Canary Islands to ride the new Hyper Motard. Nice. Which I got to sit on the other night a little bit. I, I'm really stoked to go ride the bike. Obviously, I've owned a couple of the water-cooled Hypers. I almost bought one of the air-cooled ones. Uh, instead, I ended up with a Street Fighter. 
So it's definitely a motorcycle I've, I, that is near and dear to my heart. And I feel like they've made a lot of really smart updates to that machine. So I'll be curious to see how it works in reality. So next show, hopefully, uh, I'll be dropping some knowledge on you with that one, Shaheen. I think it looked a lot better in person than it did in photos. That, that bike photo is a little bit weird to me. Uh, but in person, it was just all the right things were there. And I noticed that the base model Hyper now has uh, adjustable suspension on it too, which was not a thing pre- previously. Yeah, which is silly that it didn't have that. Quick shift now. It seems to be a thing on all their bikes. Quick shift. Yeah, I mean, the my understanding is that they finally updated the electronics to be on par with what was in the Monster and on the Multistrada. Right. And that opened up some doors for them in terms of quick shifting, throttle control. That's why like, I'm really excited to get on the bike because I think I had a couple gripes with the 939 and the 821, and I feel like those gripes are going to be gone with the 950. And at that point, probably going to be the most fun motorcycle you could ever you could ever own. Because that bike was rad yeah. when you were on the gas. It just kind of sucked when you were like, around town, and it was just a fueling throttle map system issue that you just couldn't fix because it was closed loop. That's gone now, apparently. And I'm expecting good things. We're going to get to ride on the street and on on the track. And uh, um, I'm expecting I'm expecting some good stuff. Oh, so, it should be fun. Oh, we'll see. Lots of wheelies. Wheelie Wednesday is going to be filled up now with you on a hyper. Yeah. I don't see how I could screw it up. Going to back it into some corners? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So we rode the Panigale V4 last year. It was almost exactly a year ago today. Um, That was the first bike to come out with bosch's new like rear wheel brake slide control mm-hmm. and it didn't make like a ton of sense on the panigale v4 you're like okay yeah so i'm kind of backing it in and that that's cool like right on but it's not really a bike you're gonna do it with yeah not a bike you're not gonna do it with but i remember at the time being like you know what this really needs to be on the hyper motard sure enough they brought it to it so i'm like that's perfect that's the perfect thing for that bike so yeah we'll definitely be trying you that think it's gonna be another one in your garage I'm not gonna say no. Ooh, I like it. I'm not gonna Leave say no shame because I, 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 when I sold my hyper, I really cringed. I was like, that was a really fun motorcycle. That one, like, and I don't get rid of bikes too easily. I get emotionally attached. I got, I got some issues. I'm working with that. I'm talking to a professional. <laughs> that one was a lot of fun. Um, I like the the upright Motard format. I don't like my Husky so much on the street. The 450 motor, it's technically a 477. It's basically a 450, though. Not quite enough oomph. I'll be really curious to get on the KTM 690 Supermoto. Um, I've always felt like the Husky 701 didn't have the polish. Like It, it was just it was too much of a dirt bike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that really turned me off to it when, that, when it came out. Otherwise, like I said, they're like, you know, I like that 690 platform. That's interesting. I really like the Hyper Motard. Um, the Dorzo Duro doesn't quite do it for me. It's so fucking cheap, though. Like that's where it's that's where it really makes its its promises is in the price range. And then, like, I don't and, think people that are looking for Hyper Motards are looking at Dorzo Duros. Uh, I mean, there's just not that many bikes in that like big size Supermoto there category. Aren't. No. It's a very unique, specific motorcycle, and so when someone's yeah. wanting to buy a hypermotard, they're either saving up money for one of those, or they're looking for a used one. They're not looking at a, at the, you know, a cheaper doors to door yeah. that you can go and buy. I think the point I was coming to is it was always a really fun bike to ride on the street. It's a it's a bike that's fun to ride on the street, and it's fun to ride on the track. It's 
fun-ish. Right. It's not the most fun to ride on track, but it, I've had some good times on it. And I feel like the Ducati was always at the top of the heap. And yeah. now, like, you've brought all the things to the Ducati that I've kind of been wanting and wishing it was and it was lacking and wasn't updated enough. And I think there's really good some good stuff there. So, yeah, don't say don't say no, Shaheen. Okay. You I know, like we'll, it. Leave it open that we'll, way. We'll see where it goes. It's it's a peculiar motorcycle, though, because it doesn't it, – it's a very particular niche. It doesn't, you know, work well outside of its designed focus of, like, tight roads, tight tracks – city streets being a hooligan riding for fun you're not necessarily going to get there the quickest on a hyper motard you're going to get there having the most fun though. yeah you're going to be the happiest when you get there yeah you're going to be i think it's a great there. bike for a inner city kind of place like portland Portland's oregon is a perfect bike for that it is oh it's, it's going to be awesome here it's perfect when you have to hop the curbs to <laughs> split the lanes because <laughs> right. you're not supposed to be splitting the lanes yeah perfect different different conversation for later um shaheen i wanted to talk to you about something that's been going around the internet this harley davidson study Oh yeah! Did you see it? I I posted it on our Facebook page. Oh, did you tell I, tell tell our listeners who didn't see it what what it's all about? <laughs> so because I can't I can't say it without getting mad. Well, I mean, maybe I want you to get a little bit mad. It's it's in, okay. So Harley and UCLA got together and did a study that says motorcycling reduces stress and increases alertness. No shit, Sherlock. But uh, do I think I think this is part of their marketing plan. Oh, 100%. This is, this is 100% all is. marketing, 0% science. <laughs> UCLA, is that even a school? Is so that even a real school? You know, I want to get mad at it, but I'm also thinking back on our previous conversations of what do you do to bring in new riders? Maybe you need this sort of fucking clickbait. Maybe. It, clickbait's a great word for it. I saw that, and then I was like, oh, is Harley, Harley paid for the study? Every study that's ever paid by someone else, you're like, I immediately just don't listen to anymore. <laughs> uh, like, nine like, out of ten dentists say that Harley Davidson's are... Going to make electric motorcycles. Yeah, you just sit there and just like, oh, this this study brought to you by, you know, the sugar industry says that sugar isn't bad for you. And you're like, no, nah, no shit, sure. Like, or like the tobacco ones that were all funded by a big tobacco. And they're like, oh, smoking's good for your health. And you're like, no, it's not. You guys just paid someone to come up with the result that you want. And it's the same thing with Harley. It's like, hey, we want to pay you guys to pseudoscience the shit out of something, but it better be the result that we want, otherwise we're just not gonna publish. But what it. if what if Harley's trying to get this science to maybe like fight for us to have more motorcycles on the road so that we have better motorcycle laws and lane splitting and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, let, let me put it this way, like Shaheen. On the things I care about in the industry right now, this ranks pretty low. Does it? Like, I just don't care. Enough. Like, oh, Harley got a study out. Like, whoop, there's a study that says it lowers your stress and increases your alertness. Well, whoop do you fucking do? Like you said, no shit, Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I don't care enough about it in like reality, but like if you want my opinion about it, I think it's fucking dumb. I like the numbers though. I mean, like you read this and you're like, for you and I, we're like, I'm just shaking my head even as I read it now. Like, ugh, really? But um, let's see here. 28% decrease in biomarkers of stress, according to the researchers. Um, riding a motorcycle for 20 minutes increased participants' heart rates by 11% and adrenaline levels by 27%, similar to a light exercise. I was going to say, you can replace the word motorcycle riding with masturbation, and I feel like everything you just said is true. You have some really fun masturbation sessions. Clearly. I'm just saying it's going to elevate your heart rate. It's going to lower your stress. <laughs> you're going to get a mild. You're going to get a mild workout from it. Like this is so serious. Like I just. I just. Oh, this is a good one. Like walking your dog being in there. Listen, you can stop drinking coffee. It says changes in the rider's brain activity suggested an increase in alertness, similar to drinking a cup of coffee in that 20 minute session. So just ride your bike to work. When you're yelling at all the people that are changing lanes without a. 
without, without their signals or looking back at you, your heart rate goes up. You're awake. No uh, more coffee. I want to go find these scientists and yell at them. That's They're in UCLA. <laughs> They're not that far. UCLA. <laughs> Go Bruins. <sighs> uh, listen, I will give Harley kudos. Again, they're trying to sort of think outside the box. What can we do to reach these these social media hungry clickbaiters? I mean, it's got people talking about yeah, it. Yeah, here we are. And that's the goal. So, yay, yay you. Way to go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, again, I don't care that much, but I feel like it's a big non-news news thing. I was debated whether or not to talk about it with you, Shane. Let's put it that way. There's a reason. Another another way to put this. There's a reason we didn't put it on Asphalt and Rubber. Because I'm just like, no. <laughs> That's why I put it on Facebook. No. I'm just it, it's a not, Facebook thing. I'm just not going to give you the, the air coverage. That's all you want. You wanted the headline. I'm not going to give it to you. Oh, God. Here we are go talking. Do you, go do your marketing somewhere else. They've, they've done it. They're doing a good job of it. It's it's all over Facebook. I see it everywhere. Yeah. I even shared it on Brap Talks. I saw that. Ugh. I died a little bit on the inside. People talk. People talked about it, though. Yeah. All right. You know what else people are talking about? What? Ducati's MotoGP bikes just came out. Oh, yeah. GP19, yo. What do you think? Because you're, you're such a Ducati fanboy. I am. I am. It's, um, it's a very busy design. It's very red. Super red. It's very red. It's like a, it's a, it's a little That's bit darker than, than I'm used to seeing on That's GP the nice bikes. Thing I can say it's very red. It's super duper red. Um, the the big wings are gone. The like dual biplane wings. It's got wings, but it's not that crazy biplane thing that was happening. Give it, I, I give it time. All right. Well, so here's the thing to understand. Like we're we're saying it's a GP19. The bikes that we were shown were not. They're the GP18s. We won't see the GP19 until Qatar, the preseason test, because everyone at this point in time now is holding on to their season bikes until it's actually the season so what we got to see was was the livery okay. really that was the news story um we just got to see how much red they could possibly put on one gp bike right and the fact that marlboro is going to have a pretty obvious tie with the bike with their uh winnow mission winnow mission winnow yeah mission win now mission winnow but it's winnow that for me that's the story is is have you have you gone to missionwinnow.com or not. whatever it is? Mm. Don't don't bother. Don't even bother. It's such like circular logic bullshit. Like basically what happened, Marlboro, Marlboro is banned as a tobacco agent uh, company from advertising basically everywhere now. You just basically can't advertise cigarettes. So what they did was create this new brand called Winnow. Yep. Which is literally just a brand that they're putting on Scuderia Ferraris, Formula One cars, and Ducati Courses, MotoGP bikes. And like the brand means nothing. The, like they should just come out and say, like, hey, we're not allowed to say Marlboro. So we're just going to say Winnow. And you guys are going to know that that's what, that's what it means is that it's us. It's not like a product. It's not like a thing. It's like if you go and read the website, it's like this big, like circular logic yeah, of like, yeah. we like representing winning by being with winning teams and winning with them. And winning for us is in our company culture. So we're winning with Winnow and we're winning, win, winnow, the, winning, winnow. And the winning and we're winning now. I just read their, their landing page and I lost a couple. I don't know what I, I literally, from that. I literally read through it and I was like, I have no idea what you, you just told me not me. to read it and I had to read it immediately. I literally don't know what it says because it doesn't make human sense. It doesn't make like logical sense. And you're a lawyer. And I'm a lawyer. Ugh. I, I've read some crazy shit. I do love it, though. They're like, we're with Ferrari and we're with Ducati. We're winning with Winnow. Winnow. Yeah. Winnow. You said that he was like, Arr. and I think that's, that's <laughs> the whole thing. It was just like, just to kind of skirt that whole issue. And, and, and the team was unveiled in Switzerland at Marlboro's facility there. Like, 
they're trying very hard to advertise Marlboro as much as they can without actually saying Marlboro. That's cigarettes. It's Winona. That's the name of the game. But hey, if it pays for the Ducati MotoGP program, then fine. Well, it's very red. And that's all I got to say about it. I'm excited for the two riders, though. Uh, Yeah. That should be an interesting thing. I'd be curious to see how Danilo does on a factory bike inside the factory team. I'm always rooting for Davi. I love Davi. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough season going against the Hondas of Marquez and Lorenzo. Although Lorenzo just broke his scaphoid today, which was just a masterclass. What's move. with our GP racers hurting themselves in the offseason? To be fair, I think that's just where the sport's at. Yeah. Where if you're not training 12 months a year, you're not doing your job. And, and truthfully, Lorenzo's gotten into that pickle before where he showed up at the beginning of the season, you know, five kilograms overweight and like leathers, leathers didn't fit. Right. And, you know, he was out of shape and he had to go, he had to go to boot camp and get his, you know, butt back into gear. Have you gone to Spain? Have you had their food? It's delicious. That's, I don't know how you don't gain weight. Yeah. Paellas and jamón ibéricos and wine. What's the sangria? Get you in Sangri- trouble. Oh, man, at the beach? Yeah. I'm getting fat just thinking about it. Yeah. I'm going to drink my Mountain Dew. You should. About that. <laughs> I, got, I literally just got hungry again, and I just ate before this podcast. Oh, man. Motorcycles and food, synonymous to me. Yeah, food sounds really good. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it'll be good to see what the Hondas can bring to the table. I think that's still the benchmark. Yeah, this is Ducati's year, though. I think I think they're they're they were pretty clear when they talked about the bike coming. Like, we're just here to win. Our our intention this year is to win, and it's the same thing with Superbike with the Panigale V4R. You look at that that bike. That bike was built to win. Yeah. If you don't win with that bike, like that's a failure. If you don't, if you're not on the top step, that's a failure. And I think that's their approach for GP this year too. It's interesting looking at the bikes. There seems to be a lot of uh, extra panels along the tank and sort of on the butt area where it looks like they're, they've made them so they can sort of customize them to the rider. Yeah. I mean, that was Lorenzo's biggest gripe on the bike, that it didn't fit him right. Yeah. And then once they did a couple of little adjustments, it was like, there he goes. He's doing his thing again. Yeah. But literally, the first thing I said when I saw the GP9, you know, at least the thing that they were showing is like, dang, look at that butt pad. Yeah. <laughs> that thing sticks out so far to make sure you don't move ever. I think they made a mistake losing Lorenzo. Because I look at, the, I look at, I love Danilo. He just I love, got into I his rhythm too, you know? And I just sit there and was like, I don't know if they can win a championship. Lorenzo can win a championship. Marquez can win a championship. Yeah. I, I think it should make for a fun and uh, let's call it a dramatic year this year. You okay. have the Spaniards versus the Italians. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a Honda versus Ducati year. Yamaha, where are they at? What's going on with them? disaster uh, just a total disaster i mean uh, we'll we'll see it's a new season they've had you know what is it three four months now to to work on their shit right but they're Where's under a ktm lot. in all this i haven't heard much ktm news ktm uh, ktm's the juggernaut like ktm i think they're they didn't quite make as much ground this year as i think people were expecting still a really new program i think i think the biggest issue at ktm is that they have too much money which seems like a weird problem to that have. That is a weird problem to have. But one of the things they were really good about, and I think it's also their undoing, was bringing new parts and and always having new parts to test and new ideas and new things to try. And that can be almost an overload where it's like, hey, you've got five different frames to try. Well, you know, you got to figure out which one's the best. It's like, well, you know, sometimes what it takes to, to figure out which one's the best is actually a little bit of time with it, a little bit of time to understand it, develop it, you know, figure out like, well, you know, 
the frame that might be the best frame is the one that actually requires you to change everything else on the bike. And if you don't give it that opportunity, you're never going to know. And that was one of the issues I think that Ducati had, especially in the um, Preziosi years where, you know, they were trying all these different things, especially with Rossi, like different frames, oh, try this, got to get that. And you're just like, guys, like you just have to like develop it for a minute. You're, you're, yeah. you're constantly trying to find that one thing that's going to fix it all. And the reality is, it's like you probably need a little bit more time to understand like what's going on. And I think that's been Davi's advantage if he's, he spends so much time on the Ducati that he's been able to develop the package to its full potential. Yeah. And it's paying off big dividends now. And Gigi has had like the steady hand to be like, no, very measured growth. Let's try this. Let's try this. Let's, let's see if we can make this work. And I think that's what KTM isn't doing. Where it's like, oh yeah, oh you heard there's no there's no front end feel. Okay, here's a brand new frame, and let's just do that instead of being like, well, let's look at maybe the triple clamp, or let's look at a different suspension setting, or maybe it's a different tire pressure, or whatever it is. Like, so having a huge budget behind them, a huge engine like that, that's able to churn out a bunch of different parts and you know react quickly, is usually a really good thing. But I think it's been a little bit of a detriment. And we'll see. We'll see what happens this year. I think having. Uh, Tectois as a satellite team with with a lot of factory support is going to help them a lot. That's going to get that's twice as many data points. That's a completely different team with different you know structure and philosophy that can play counterpoint to the factory team. I think that's going to benefit them. But I'm still pretty bullish. They they are not going into this lightly. They have a whole you know hundred million dollar facility, a ton of people. They're throwing tons of budget. They're not going at this lightly. Whereas Suzuki, I'd say, is maybe a little underfunded. And Aprilia, I just don't even know what Aprilia's GP program or racing program in general is is doing. They just brought in um, a guy from Ferrari to kind of take over the the team side of it, and I think that'll help them out a lot. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be an interesting, different dynamic, I think, with someone from the car side because that seems even more well, just, chaotic than the motorcycle side. I think they were just putting too much on Romano Abliciano's shoulders. And he was he was having to develop the street bikes. He was trying to develop the GP bikes and the super bikes. And he's just saying like, "Hey, we need to have like more focus. You need to be not micromanaging the MotoGP program, which is kind of what Fausto Grassini was was uh, getting upset about, and that was causing friction between them and Aprilia." So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I'll be curious to see where K Team is at the end of this season. Uh, I think Suzuki is going to come on a little bit stronger. Yeah, they seem to be I think kind of nipping at people last year. I think Suzuki's the better bet than Yamaha going into the 2019 wow, season. Wow, that's strong words. Yeah. See, my my thought was KTM was going to be the one that's going to be nipping, especially with, I mean, you put it perfectly, they're sort of the juggernaut here. And they have, you know, to me, one of the best wild cards in the last couple of years in GP was Johan Zarco. Yeah. And to have him on a bike like a KTM, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens this year. I hope a lot. I hope they give him a chance to settle and figure things out as opposed to, like you said, just constantly throw new new shit at it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see maybe, maybe cause when I was in their, their paddock last year, you know, the way they explained it was right now, because we're sort of at the beginning stages, we're allowed to have lots of chassis and lots of right. motors right. and we get to fuck around as much as we want. But the minute we start making points, they take that away. Right. And, and Suzuki just lost all those points. Right. And they're actually pretty happy about it. They look at that at like a point of pride, like, Hey, we've progressed this far that we no longer have these concession, uh, items because of our, our points. So. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Here's 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 the story that I keep thinking about writing. You can you can tell me your reaction, dear Valentino Rossi. <laughs> it's time to retire. Oh. Okay, so I'm I'm a I've been a diehard Rossi fan forever and ever and ever. I, I really truly we have the same almost the same birthday. He's a day older than me. 
Um, so it's been fun kind of growing up with the legend of Rossi. I want him to retire and not get hurt in this, but I also really would love for him to have another championship. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think he's past his prime. I think he's, uh, you know, I think he could do so much more in that motorcycling world than just being a JP, GP racer. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. It hurts my heart to say it. I agree with you. I think he needs to retire. Here's my thought process. I, I do think he's past his prime. I don't think he's going to win that 10th championship. And I don't think, and I think, or I should say, I do think he can still win races. I think he will win a race in 2019. I don't know which one it'll be. It's hard to be like, oh, he's going to be a dominant player, but he's got the place. He's always in a podium hunt area-ish, always in a top five-ish kind of position. Uh, 2018 wasn't great. But my bigger issue is I feel like he's the log jam at Yamaha. Yamaha is never going to fire Valentino Rossi. It doesn't matter what his results on the track are. He's royalty at this point. (laughs) Because he brings in so many fans and so many sponsors and has so much political sway in the paddock that you want him on your team because of that. You're like, if motorcycle is basically just marketing and it's a marketing exercise to get your brand exposed, he's the number one rider. Absolutely. Because he's the one that's that's doing the most marketing, that's generating the, the most buzz, that has the most fans, that has the most Twitter followers and, and all these all these things that a marketing manager just like sits under the table and just loves. Yeah. So well, I mean, you're never going you, you to get rid of him, but he's he's holding up a seat from a rider who who could be a race winner or a championship winning rider. Right. He's he's the making development demands that may not be for the best of the team. And truthfully, like look at his record as a teammate. Like he causes chaos with whoever he's partnered with. It's very 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 difficult to be the teammate to Valentino Rossi, as we've seen with Lorenzo, as we've seen with Vinales, as we've seen with um. I mean, pick 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 any rider at this point. Like you know, he basically drives him out of out of the paddock. And one of the things that I think people don't really realize in the MotoGP paddock is like there is this struggle between Rossi's camp and Marquez's camp to be like the political force <laughs> in MotoGP. Like there's there's like an inner paddock, like Italy versus Spain oh, yeah. thing. Oh yeah. And at the top of those things are Marquez and Rossi. And it doesn't help that it's Honda and Yamaha. And, you know, truthfully, like, that's where, like, the tension is. And I feel like Yamaha, half of, I don't know if I'm going to sign a percentage. There is a percentage that is not insignificant that it comes down to Valentino Rossi being in the Yamaha camp. And if they didn't have him there, they would have that percentage advantage back. You know, whether that's meaning, like, they could have brought in Zarco or they could have brought in, you know, someone into that seat. Because I think they want to have a Vinales, but they probably want to have someone else and like, if it, if it wasn't Valentino Rossi, if it wasn't the tour de force of fandom and marketing and all that stuff, he would have been out of there long ago because they would have said, hey, you don't have the results for a factory ride. Yeah, exactly. Maybe satellite team or whatever, stick you in superbike or whatever, test rider role or whatever. There's but a be- lot of resting on laurels in this instance. And again, as a super fan, it's hard for me to say these things because I want to keep seeing him there. It's exciting to watch him there, but you're you're seeing him getting surpassed by new talent. That's just the natural progression of things going to happen the dude's going to be 40 next month yeah yeah and any other and look at all the racers that he was like rivals with where are they now like they're, they're all they're like, done gemmer now is gone caparossi gone yeah biagi gone you know like yeah they're doing their own thing and they show up once in a while and they'll do test riding and 
they can still you know have a cool audience whenever they show up but yeah i i i hope that this year something great happens for him if not i feel like he should retire and you go just go go enjoy your life man you've you've worked your ass off since you were a kid yeah just i think go go enjoy it i think the hard part is is because he's rossi no one can really have that conversation with him like no. hey, by like no your your son your sunset years are are here yeah it's time. It's, it's a decision he needs to Valentino, make, and that's what they're hoping for. Valentino, it's time. Right. It's time. Because, oh. But no one, no one can say that to him because you can't speak truth to that power. No one's willing to speak that kind of truth to no. that power. And it's a lot of power. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of, power. of power. He brings a lot to the table. You know, Just not as a writer anymore. Carmelo comes to his box when he wants to talk. <laughs> Rossi doesn't go up to the office. Like that's, that's a true story. <laughs> it is the true story. You're so right about it. It's crazy. Even here in America where MotoGP is just not that popular... You know, when we were at the paddock, if Rossi showed up, it was just mayhem. Whereas I kind of high five Marquez because everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's just Marquez. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you? Even in this market where people are like, Moto what? Truthfully, I mean, there would be some Americans that would recognize Nicky Hayden because he's an American. But outside of that, probably none of the other GP riders ever got stopped when they were in the U.S. for, no. for MotoGP, except for maybe Valentino Rossi occasionally. He would be the only one that could even come close to transcending it. Even then, probably not. You know, not, not, not like to, Europe, not like oh, certainly not like Europe. Holy moly, man! Security there was insane. When we were in Valencia, that I have never seen such awesome mayhem to stuff that many people in that little space, and they were just all such so gung ho about it. And here in America, you can just kind of freely you just buy the extra ticket and the pass, and you can go to the paddocks. In Europe, they're like, yeah, no, fuck off. No, it's definitely different. <laughs> You're not doing this. You talk to the writers. They like coming to the U.S. because it's the one time like they can go have dinner in public yeah, and go do their thing or be at the beach and like no one knows who they no. are. They can finally maybe one like, person will recognize. That's them what I'm saying. Like you know, maybe like yeah. Nikki Hayden would get stopped every now and then because people know who he is, and maybe Rossi every now and then. But like a uh, Cal Crutch, look, Cal Crutch has been in Southern California for months and probably no one knew about it. I joked around with my wife when I was over there. I, I'm really bad at buying souvenirs. But I bought a Valentino Rossi beanie cap. And so walking around Spain, I was like one of several hundred people that I would see in downtown Valencia area that had the same exact hat on. I have yet to see one here in America. It's like, oh, yeah, it's not a thing here. So eh. I, I, I want him to do something amazing, but I also want him to retire. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that are amazing... Did you see the entry list for Pike Speak this year? I'm trying not to jump to conclusions here, man, because I know what I want to see, and my heart's singing a really fun song, and you kind of hinted at it on Asphalt and Rubber, and I, I, I literally squealed at my phone. My wife thought I was looking at a puppy video. So I should preface, I, I have no Bothan knowledge right now. I haven't heard from my spies. No one's, no one, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody. My my good friend Carlin has been very diligent about posting Pike's Peak photos on Facebook, however. And if you go and look at the Pike's Peak entry list, there's some curious things. The first of which is him, right. Carlin Dunn. Yep. Uh, former outright record holder, still force writer, electric writer ever at Pike's Peak. He's in the exhibition class with a 2019 Ducati TBD. TBD. Fuck those, all those letters had me going. And know that pike's peak you have to ride with a bike that has a flat handlebar yep. and no fairings right 
And gosh, Jensen, what could you possibly make in the Ducati realm that's got flat handlebars and no fairings and maybe a V4 stuffed in it? Gee, Shaheen, I have just no idea what that could be. <laughs> Would it be called a Pikes Peak fighter? No, that'd be a weird name. That'd be oh, weird I name. know. Maybe a street fighter. Yeah. Oh, I'm freaking the fuck out, man. So so my my understanding from my, from my spies is that if we're going to see a street fighter model from Ducati 2020 model year on is when we should start expecting it. Yep. Um, so far, we've been right. We didn't see it this come out this year. There were some rumors that it was going to be. We very much quashed those rumors. Uh, I very much expect to see in November this year a Street Fighter model. That's 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 my prediction. Um, haven't heard confirmation on that from my boys. But they won't say no. But they won't say no. And I know they're thinking about it. And the thing that's interesting about the exhibition class and the thing that's interesting with Ducati coming out there, it's like I very much get the impression that they want to win. They, <laughs> they want the outright of record again. Um, so how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to do that on the V4. So in my mind, that's one of two things. It's either a street fighter, early street fighter prototype, and this is how they're going to tease it, uh, to people, or it's going to literally be them taking a V4R, stripping it down and turning it into a street fighter, which is probably cool. six to half a dozen. I'm probably right. like just semantics at that point between V4 prototype. They'll still call it a prototype. Yeah. But that, that'd be my prediction. And that would fit with putting it into the exhibition class instead of the heavyweight class because of whatever weird rule thing that's going on. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it'd be I, cool. I, I said it, I said it before. I'll say it again. The minute Ducati makes a V4 Street Fighter, I am signing my soul away for that thing. <laughs> oh man, that thing excites me so much. Uh, so the powers that be from Ducati did say that they're doing a thing called all roads to lead to pike's peak yes and they more or less invited us to ride our motorcycles to pike's peak and you know rally with them and that's something they've done in the past uh they've done that a number of years um it just seems like this year ducati's making more of a thing about going to pike's peak than normal i'm thinking it'd be really cool to do like a colorado bdr and then show up to pike's peak just yeah. with a muddy, dirty multistrada be like this is how you ride a multistrada motherfuckers one of my least favorite races to cover but you might get me out there if there's a street fighter. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I'll, I'll have to talk to some people. I'll see. I'll get I'll get Carlin a little drunk. We'll go out to the Spearmint Rhino. We'll have some. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. The way Ducati says like maybe or no to the idea of a new street fighter is the way your mom and dad would like smirk at you if you asked them if there's a new bicycle in the garage for maybe. chemistry. Maybe, maybe not. Have you been a good boy? Yeah, fuckers, I've been the best boy. <laughs> Give me. <laughs> I'm your favorite son. God damn it. <laughs> I did all the dishes. I took the trash out every weekend. Uh, so yeah, I'll be very curious to see what that's all about, TBD. Uh, our good friend... Uh, Rennie Skaysbrook will be at the Pikes Peak as well. Cool. He'll be on an Aprilia Tuono 1100. Um, and what better weapon to defeat a Tuono 1100 V4 than a Ducati Street Fighter V4? I think it'd be interesting. So he'll be in the heavyweight class. So he'll be going for um, the heavyweight record. Rennie is one of the quickest guys at Pikes Peak so far. What's holding the heavyweight record currently? Uh, that would be Mr. Chris Fillmore. It's a 949. Wow. That's that's crazy fast. Anything sub ten is crazy fast. That's insane. Um, so Rennie Rennie's he's in that neighborhood, and you know the the Tuono goes pretty stinking good. So um, I might actually have a chance to be riding that that bike uh, pretty soon here, Shaheen. He's going to come up to the ridge and do some testing, and we've been Whoa. talking to Aprilia about 
Um, you had mentioned this to me that it probably yeah, would be there. Going there and, and, and riding that and doing a story with Rennie. Um, Rennie's one of my favorite guys to ride with. He's one of my favorite test riders to, to try and chase around on track. Super fast guy. <laughs> super nice dude. Really weird British accent, though. Where's he from? He's from Australia. <laughs> that is a weird British accent. <laughs> it's like like redneck British. <laughs> That's exactly how I would describe it. <laughs> but yeah, so we wish him the best of luck. Um, I think you know if the weather holds out well and he gets a good run, like I think he could easily get a sub ten. He could easily be in the hunt for the record. He'll he's probably the favorite to win the heavyweight class for this year. So we'll be seeing. Um, what will be interesting to me is to see how Chris Fillmore goes though, because he's returning to the Pikes Peak. All right. But you had, I had to do some searching for him because he wasn't in the heavyweight class. He wasn't in the middleweight class. What's he in? He's in the lightweight class. What? He's going to race a KTM 450, uh, presumably in supermoto form. And if he wins and sets the record, that'd be the hat trick. He'd have a record in the heavyweight and the lightweight and the middleweight. And then he'd also have, assuming you know nothing changes, the outright lap record, which would make – that's quite the rubber stamp. That on is Pikes a hell Peak. of a rubber stamp. Yeah. Um, Question, yes, as far sir. as your opinion, what do you think is the most dangerous race, Pikes Peak or Isle of Man TT? Uh, Pikes Peak. Yeah? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you fuck up on Pikes Peak, you're flying for a minute. Well, I mean, either race, if you crash, you're probably going to die. Better than, I say that with a better than 50-50 chance. Yeah. Um, The TT, I feel, is run incredibly more professionally than Pikes Peak is. The TT basically has eyes on the entire course, whereas Pikes Peak, they have no clue what's going on. I don't have a lot of faith in the organization behind the Pikes Peak Hill Climb. It's one of the reasons why I don't like covering that race. Mm. I don't I don't really like the promoter. I don't really like who the, the racing organization. The bikes are run as a sideshow to the cars. Of course. Which kind of sets them up in some very unsafe situations. There's a lot of there's been a lot of times. Every time I've been there. There's always been some issue where some fluid is on the race course yep. and they can't even communicate to the riders where that is. They'll be like, oh, it's somewhere between Devil's Playground and the Summit. And you're like, okay, yeah, you realize that's like four miles, right? There's like 100 turns between there and there. <laughs> like, no, no shit. In other news, the sky is blue. Congratulations. Oh, um, so I have, I have a lot of issues on the way they've been running things. It's gotten a little bit better. They're controlling fans better. Like, I literally have a photo of a fan crossing the track as a car is zipping around the turn and they're just basically <sighs> running right in front of it because there's no marshal there Ugh. to be like, hey, don't cross the fucking track. Ugh, and they don't really have, like the safety side of it just isn't there and the organization side of it just isn't there and the TT has got it nailed down. Now, if you look at like historical figures over the duration of the TT, like I think the number is just over two riders die per year wow whereas pike's peak it's it's incredibly low but if you look at that a little bit more closely it's like it's because pike's peak hasn't had really any fatalities in its first like 90 years of running whereas the last 10 years or so have been significantly more dangerous and that's because it's it's gone from a dirt road to a paved road right so there's, there's a lot, a lot more of speed involved yeah there's a lot more speed there's a lot more danger so there is a little element of pike's peak having to evolve to change the competition because the course has changed. And I'll give them a little leeway on that, but I know if I was a competitor, I would rather race in the TT than Pikes Peak because at least like, at least when I crash at the TT, like someone's going to know that I've crashed. Yeah. 
Whereas Pike's Peak, it's like, oh, yeah, Jensen was supposed to be here like, you know, five minutes ago. I he's guess we should probably, go look for him. He's probably crashed. We should probably stop sending vehicles <laughs> up the hill because, you know, he hasn't arrived yet. Jeez. So, you know, I just I just have a real hard time. With it. And that, I think, the way that the Pike's Peak operates things, they've definitely banned competitors because of voicing concerns like that. I probably just now, by vocalizing what I just said, have probably already earned myself a ban for trying to go to Pike's Peak this year. Way to because go. that's the way they operate. Way to go. So we'll see. So I just nothing. said nice to say, say nothing. They just don't want the criticism. They don't want the constructive criticism. And you're like, well, your competitors keep dying, so maybe you should start listening. <laughs> so um, um well, you know, handlebars now instead of clip-ons. Right. That um, fixes everything. I mean, it, it does to an extent, but like not really. Like eventually they're gonna probably have to have a CC limit. Like I don't I don't know if it makes sense to have 200 horsepower motorcycles going up that hill. But I mean, teams are always going to try to get as much power out of their vehicles as possible to go faster on any race. So, you know, unless unless you as the organization say, hey, you're only allowed X amount of engine size. Tell you what, go watch Chris Fillmore's onboard video from his record lap. I've watched it. It's terrifying. And that's and it's like that's what it takes. You're yeah. just like, Mah. yeah. Mah. I, I watch a lot of onboard Pike's Peak and TT, and uh, I'd have to flip a coin to tell you which one I think is scarier, just be, from that perspective. Yeah, to be fair, like I've seen some of um, uh, Michael Dunlop's videos, and he ends up using the curb as a berm a lot. Dude, the wall is your friend, apparently. Over there. And that's pretty fucked up, too. So maybe that's not the best comparison. But um, yeah, I, I have a real hard time with Pike's Peak. It, it's And it's, it's mostly from an organizational point of view. And it's tough. It's a tough race as a, as a journalist to cover. You're there for a week. You're getting up at 2 a.m. to get onto the mountain by 3 a.m. Yep. to be ready to go. You basically shoot photos and stuff until 9 a.m. And then you get off the mountain, do your regular day's work, get to bed by 8 and rinse and do the cycle all over. Like by the end of that week, you're oh, tapped you're, out. You're, yeah, you're done. And to have there's no communication. There's no information. There's It's just tough. Yeah, it's just a real tough one. Um, last thought on that, uh, zero will have their SRF cool bike up there. Uh, Corey West is going to race it. Okay. So we'll get a good look at that. That could maybe give the, uh, the outright record for electrics a run. Carlin's got that. It's at just over 10 minutes. Exactly. It's like 10 minutes and three tenths of a second, I believe. 329. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, Rob Barber is going to come across the pond and race with the university of Nottingham. Yoshihiro Kishimoto will be here um, on the Mirai bike. Those are two pretty well-known electric teams that have done the Isleman TT0. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's this like one entry that's got a TBD for the name and the bike and the class. And you're like, I wonder what that could be. So we'll see. Okay. So there's some interesting things to get curious about the the Pikes Peak International Hill Climb this year. Um, it's an iconic race. You know, it's it's for sure. It's the closest thing we're going to get in the United States to the TT. And I, I really do want to see it succeed and see it do well and and, and do its thing. Um, I just get really worried that when it starts being run in a very amateur and slapstick sort of way, that that's just ensuring the fact that it's going to go away. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see on that. Um, speaking of electrics, though, did you see this thing from Domenicali about Ducati's electric bikes? <laughs> It's so much clickbait this week. I don't that I got good on authority. That's very real. Well, I mean, I, I, we've read several times that he said by what twenty twenty one there's going to be something on the dealership. 
Well, that wasn't him that said 2021. That was um, uh, Edward. L- I'm going to say this wrong. Edward Luthe. L- L- Lothe. He's the managing director of Ducati's Western Europe uh, markets. And he said that there'd be an electric and a scooter by 2021. And now um, Ducati does this cool thing where they're, they're really engaged with students, like university students. Uh, it's part of the... Fresh minds, man. Fondusione. Fondusione. I took French. I didn't take Italian. Say it like a French. Fondation. No, oh, nice. Uh-huh. Sexy. Ah, oh, mais oui, with the bridges. <laughs> oh, mon petit papillon. <laughs> um, but basically, they they do a lot of hands. And we see this in the U.S. too. Like Ford does this with the Formula. Is it Formula Ford? Car thing? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Google that. Formula Google Ford. Google that shit. But uh, so basically, they have some students that they're working with, and they built an electric motorcycle. And you look at it, and it's pretty freaking cool. Um, it's got like a carbon fiber monoco- monocoque chassis. It's got uh, what well, looks like a additive manufacturing swing arm with t- top topology optimization. Um, it's 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 very very interesting uh, to look at from a technology point of view, and and you hear basically. Dominicali say, hey, yeah, electrics are a future. You're going to start seeing an ele- a production. The quote was, we we're very close to starting production on an electric motorcycle. That's right. And I got it on good authority a couple, you know, not too long ago that that's, they're going to be able to start talking about that soon. So I'm I'm actually kind of hoping when I go to this launch for the Hypermotar that I'll be able to tweak some ears and get some more information. Just, just squeeze a little something, something squeeze out Squeeze a little something, something, see if I can find some I mean, some they're talking ends. about it more openly than they were even six months ago. So. Right. It wasn't that long ago where Ducati, like Domenicali himself, would be like, we are not working on that. Yeah. We are not. That is not our thing. And now it's like, oh, yeah, we're really close totally. to being ready for it. Yeah. And you're like, well, of course you are. But um, that's an interesting thing for me to see. And that's, I think their timeline lines up pretty well with where when solid state batteries are going to be more feasible right and you look at the volkswagen group has this uh roadmap e initiative that by what was it 2030 they want to have an electric model for every they want to have like a full electric lineup like if you've got a gas version there'll be an electric version as well um and that applies to ducati as well as long as ducati stays within the family that's right as long as they're there there's no reason it won't happen so i'll be very curious to see what this this comes out as if it's gonna be like uh uh maybe it's an electric scooter maybe it's an electric version of a small displacement bike maybe could it be like an electric hyper that'd be fun electric hyper could be fun um an electric like a moto three type bike i mean i don't know i don't know what that format looks like that it makes the most sense and that's kind of what I want to find out. I think that would be intriguing. But it's cool to see that that's starting to be something that they're willing to talk about. If you go online, you'll find a lot of sort of, you know, what looks like somebody did it on their computer, just a quick little rendering uh, of what it's going to look like. Those things are all bullshit. There's a lot of bullshit. There's a lot of futuristic stuff, but just to get you click on it. Yeah. But the story's there, ultimately. Yeah, the, the story is true. All those renders and all those, those like, imaginings are total bullshit. But... <laughs> You know, that's the internet for you sometimes. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? You know, we didn't talk about it all while I was going on. What's up? Dakar. Oh. Dakar is such a, like a mythical thing because it doesn't happen anywhere near us. And it's, what percentage of Americans do you think know what Dakar is? 
Mm. Yeah, that's probably fair. That being said, it's epic. Uh, I bet it's more than you think. I don't think it's like a like a secret. I don't think it's a secret. It's just it's not. It's so far out of most people's radar range. Yeah, that it it's you know. I'm trying to think like what would the equivalent be for like a different sport? Cricket. A lot of people know about cricket though. Just not <laughs> Americans. There you go. Cricket's even more popular than Dakar. And we don't even know what the fuck cricket is. I still don't know how to play it. It takes like five days or something stupid. Like, <laughs> I don't understand how like 128 to three is a close score. <laughs> That's a super close score. <laughs> it's right there. I don't. Right there, man. I don't think the numbers mean what you think they mean. <laughs> so what do you, what do you, what do you have to say about Dakar? Uh, nothing too crazy. So, uh, 18th straight victory for KTM. Yes. I think for me, the real headline here was just how damn close Honda came to winning this year's race with um, Ricky Brabeck, who's an American. So we got, you know, like there's kind of like, like a big upset that was about to happen there. And then, you know, his bike kind of, you know, explodes, which has <laughs> kind of been an issue for it Honda happens, at the Dakar. Which is not something you expect of Honda, period, ever. It's very un-Honda-like of them, but that's been... They have struggled in the Dakar rally for reasons that are kind of baffling. There's always talk of uh, the AFO is the AFO? ASO. ASO. The ASO has always been kind of accused of maybe playing favorites with the competitors in the Dakar and like the entries and maybe having a bias towards KTM. And truthfully to be told, like KTM has put the time and the energy into the series. They've always been there. They've always kind of made this a linchpin to their their racing program. They show up, you know, if that doesn't earn you a special relationship with the promoter, then I don't know what does. Um, is that fair? I don't think so, but that's the game sometimes. Because there's been like some instances where like Honda has been given penalties that maybe or maybe not are fair or unfair. Right. But there's always been a consistency or a consistent showing of them having mechanical issues and them having riders who basically crash out. Um, you know, Juan Barreda is a great example of a rider that always just seems to find a way to crash out of the Dakar rally. <laughs> and, you know, this year with Brabeck, I think, you know, there was a lot of potential there and to see him have a mechanical on the eighth day of racing the eighth or sorry the eighth stage yeah when it's a 10 stage race Jaheen, and stage 10 is a joke stage 10 is like 20 miles it's like nothing it's 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 literally like them having champagne while they ride (laughs) so like really you had like one more day of racing after that and it's just like to get so close and yet and lose i think that's a tough one but it really does show that they're making progress to to overthrow the the ktm juggernaut and it is a juggernaut the top three riders are ktms the fourth and fifth riders are husqvarna riders so basically the top five riders are all part of the same racing effort and then you get into you know yamaha at six honda at seven heroes at nine dude Um, i'm impressed that heroes there heroes there heroes there it was cool to see liaisons at 11th uh, it's a good finish for her. Um, yeah, there was there was some some pretty 
solid, solid races there. And I, I love the photography that comes out of the Dakar. It's so dramatic and beautiful. It's it's another series that's like a race that's really hard to cover for us because there's just not a lot of information that comes out of it in yeah. a timely manner. And a lot of the times it's conflicting. But it's one of those things I like. I would love to go see it in person at some point. It probably won't be while I do asphalt and rubber. I'll probably be like retired and living on my yacht. <laughs> but that's something I got to like. It's uh, be a dinghy. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, right. The SS Minnow. <laughs> But that'll be something like that's on the bucket list for, right. for being as a motorcyclist to go see one day. And there's a lot of talk that it's headed back to Africa next year. So we might have missed our chance to see it in South Africa. This this year's race was entirely in Peru. Yeah, that's actually the first time I've seen that it's in a country. Yeah. It usually crosses two, three. Yeah, because the other ones pulled out at the last minute. Um, Argentina, Bolivia, Chile. You know. So, um, yeah, I, I think we'll, we could see it back in Africa for, for 2020, which... Maybe that's a good thing. That actually be a good place to go to. I'd love to go to Africa. Yeah. For Dakar especially? Yeah. Maybe we get to see some rain and bless them in Africa. Yeah. I'm I'm all for it. Um, what else you got on the list? We're gonna just keep just chugging along. This is like a marathon show. You ready for it? Uh, go, go, go. Drink. Drink, drink, drink. Um BMW Motorrad sets eighth record year of motorcycle sales, says my headline. Uh yeah. Is that real sales or is that sales to dealerships? No, that's real sales. Because remember Triumph did some shit like that. It's real sales, but understand that it's 0.9%, a 0.9% increase over last year. Woo! So You almost got a percent. The crazy thing to me is they want to sell 200,000 by 2020, and they're saying they're on, they're on pace for that. What? And I just go, how? How? Yeah, what math are you? Like, you show me your math. You didn't even get a percentage a single percentage point of growth for this year. And all signs are kind of pointing to the economy not doing great for the coming foreseeable years. So like, how are you going to do that? And the only way I can come up with it is new markets and new motorcycle lines. Like, So you think they're, they got some Trump cards that they're uh, hiding? I don't know. Well, we already know what they're doing for 2019 and it's not going to be anything super spectacular. Yeah. I think, I think they get a bump They're They updated every R bike except for the R90, right? So you look at their you look at their top sellers. In fact, let me let me break down some crazy knowledge for you here. Um, hey, re- re- break it down. Break it, break it, break it down, break it down. Fifty one percent of their motorcycles are from the R series. Okay, that's the, the that's all the points. R's. Then that's all the R's. Okay, but like a good chunk of that is the R twelve hundred. Well, I guess now it's the R twelve fifty, but the GS model, the, the GS model, and the GSA, right. Then it's the RT, the RS. R9, they sold a boat ton of R9Ts, mostly because there's like seven versions of it now, or six versions. It's, yeah. Um, 5% of their sales are the K-bikes, the K1600s. 5%? 5%. Wow. Isn't that it. super small? Wow. Why are you even making these things? That's what I said. I'm sitting there like, K1600. Are their K-bikes just down to the 1600 now? Are they making yeah. like a sporty 1300 no. anymore? No, it's all 1600s. This is how out of touch I am with BMW. They're not. I don't think they're looking at you for for. They're bikes. not. Which is funny. You'd think they should start looking at a. I'm not saying I'm young, but a younger crowd. I mean, typically a BMW rider is not necessarily the youngest. But here we go. They're, they've got 0.09 percent higher sales. So, good job. Yeah. Um, they've got smaller displacement motorcycles. How's that doing for them? The three tens. Oh, uh, that's about 15% that's of, their, pretty, that's of their bikes units sold. That's not bad. And I think that's truthfully where they're going to get a lot of their growth because I think they're still going to come out with like a G310RR, basically like a sport bike version. Right. 
And I think that's the model that's going to travel the furthest in terms of getting into new markets. It's like, okay, well, we can, we still need to like grow the spike in Brazil. We still need to grow the spike in Indonesia and then China and all these stuff. Like, I don't think it's going to sell very much in the, the Western countries, but the growth potential, the, or the market potential in Southeast Asia and Asia in general and South America is huge. Yeah. India. How's their, uh, how's their, uh, S and the F series doing? The S is 11% and I just got the F numbers and I forgot to put them into the spreadsheet so I don't have it off the top of my head. I'm impressed head. that the G is outdoing the S. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think some of that is the S line's been kind of stagnant. Like they're just yeah. coming now out with the new S1000 double R. Yeah. And that'll give them a good bump. And that leads into a new S1000R and a new S1000XR. If they were smart, they would they would put something in a smaller displacement. And this is where I think there's the opportunity. I look at their lineup and I don't see anything in the 500cc category. No, there's nothing there. And I don't know why there's nothing. Like it makes no sense. Like I'm going to go from a G310, which is like a 318cc motor, 318cc motor. To an F. To uh, an F750 is the next smallest bike. Which is basically an 800. Which is basically an 800. Like, there's no stepping stone there. So they need something like that. And I think that's the only way I see them getting to that 200,000 unit mark. Maybe that's what their plan is for 2020 then. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen them teasing it yet. We've seen them tease a 900cc. We've seen them tease an 1800cc. We've seen them tease an (laughs) 1800cc cruiser, which is mind-boggling. Have you ever sat on on an R bike and just... With your feet on the ground and just rev the motor like we like yeah. to do, and how it just kind of yeah. kicks you to well, one yeah, side. It twitches. Can you imagine the first person who does that at eighteen hundred? Goes, holy shit, that's gonna fall over. It'll kick so hard. I hope it'll be amazing. Well, it's gonna be so low to the ground. It'll actually the cylinder head will just touch the asphalt. <laughs> it just catches it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I'm very curious about what the future has for BMW. I mean, they they had a good year. Uh, I can't I can't fault them for that. It's been a down economy in a lot of places. They actually made progress in the U.S which I wasn't expecting That's at tough, all. Tough crowd as we found so, out. So just going to yeah. slow, slow clap, clap it. Slow clap. BMW Motor Ad USA. Way good to job. get her done. Uh, good luck selling those HP4s, by the way. Uh, there was one on Bring a Trailer yes. last week. Yes, I'm glad you bring this up. Last I saw it, it was a 39 grand. Uh, what did it sell for? I didn't see it finish. It didn't sell. It never <gasps> met the reserve. <laughs> that was the thing. Like this is, this, is, this is almost like the bigger story. No, it's not. It's totally not. But it... it I'm losing my words. I'm emotional. <laughs> I think it says a lot, Shaheen, that it didn't meet its reserve, that it didn't get more bids than it didn't even reach $40,000 on the bidding. It didn't even, no. it barely broke the halfway point. Somebody bought a rusty, shitty Chevy truck before they bought that thing. But I think that just shows the market where it's like they're sitting here trying to sell them at $78,000 MSRP. I'm pretty sure the one. Near us, I could go up there and put $60,000 on the table and they would give it to me. 60? It would wet their pants if we put that much there. I know, right? I told you I only put 40 down. I saw one, I saw a dealer the other day trying to get lists still. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. That's cute. But like this, 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 I feel is the shot across the bow. This should wake up every BMW dealership that still has an HP4 race on the floor. It's like, hey, a one mile bike that was basically new, brand new, basically new, did not even get a bid for $40,000. No. If BMW BMW should be buying these bikes back from dealerships and just being like, okay, let's just wipe that slate clean. Like, give it back to us. We'll we'll go do something with them. You don't have to have it on your book anymore. You don't have to have it on your finance, on your floor, whatever that is. Don't worry about this any longer. 
everyone who bought an HP4 race, it just got even more exclusive. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're super duper exclusive. And and we'll just rethink this next time because <laughs> like, what are you gonna do? Like, you, you were getting upset at KTM for discounting and 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 Harley yeah. and all these other things. Yeah. Like, like, like if I just bought a seventy eight thousand dollar HP4 race and I found out my dealership Ooh. would take sixty for it right oh. now, I would lose my mind. Yeah, I, I tell me your thoughts. Tell my thought thoughts. is that tell me, th- tell me your thoughts as the dealership man. Tell me your thoughts. My thought is that as, as a retail salesperson, that if you're spending that kind of money, value is not. It's your values are different, quantified differently than say you and I as average people. Who are you calling average? I mean, you How know, dare you? <laughs> you do sail a boat very well. Um, so. Maybe their feelings won't be so hurt if they find out this thing is tank. Because that's not the first time or the last time it's going to happen, right? People go out there and buy brand new Corvettes still for $100,000 and they turn around and sell them for fifty grand a year later. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what BMW's plan is or was with that thing. I think they thought they were going to make something super cool. And it is. If you look at it, it's a real easy bike to sit at and stare at and just geek out about. It's super technically awesome. But the price tag is just... There's no way. I think they're going to sit on these. I think it's going to be like finding an old Honda RC 45 in a dealership that still thinks it's worth $27,000. Maybe it's worth more now. So maybe 10, 15 years from now, that bike's going to be worth something. Uh, and, uh, my, my sentiments exactly. I think the idea made sense. I could see being in that boardroom and be like, okay, guys, this is the last year of this generation double R. Let's send it off with a bang. What should we do? Special edition model. Let's make it super whammy bammy. We've seen the super legera. We've seen, you know, all these other, you know, kind of high performance versions do right. well. We'll right. copycat that idea. It's not an original idea. Easy peasy. Great. Let's make the best. S1000RR ever made. Put some fucking lights on it so I can go to my local coffee shop and show the damn thing off, man. I don't even know if I fault them for it being track only. I think that that doesn't help. But I, I feel like the bigger issue is just the way it was marketed. Like I, I come back to my interactions with BMW in the US market over this bike and what I've seen dealers doing and just the general push with them on this. And you just sit there and you just go like, guys, like I think they thought it was going to sell itself. Yeah, and it didn't. You're you're saying marketing. I'm 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 looking at you with my jaw on the floor. Marketing? Yeah. There was a marketing of uh plan for that bike. I never saw or heard a thing. The only thing I ever saw about it was when they did this really awesome onboard video of it going through the Isle of Man. Right. That was it. And that wasn't even really them. That was Peter Hickman being a badass. I think that was that probably had more to do with the TT organizers and that race team and Peter Hickman and all those people. I mean, I'm I'm not going to discount and say BMW Motorrad had nothing to do with that. I'm sure they had a, well, I'm sure they a did. hand in it, but like, I don't think it's all them. No, I I don't. the The idea of the bike is really cool. I agree, but you know, the person that's going to sh- buy that thing is going to want to show it off somewhere or another, right? And a lot of times, when you want to show off a motorcycle, you take it somewhere that you can show it off. The track is in that place. Most people don't go to the track. And walk around the pit lane to see who's riding what. They're there. They're they're concentrating. They're kind of freaking out a little bit. Then they want to just do this thing without getting hurt. Where do you show off your motorcycle? Either at 
a bike show or a local hangout or you know local bike night and that's not a bike you can do that with so never that that crowd's just completely out of the out of the picture here they they made a bike and their idea was this is going to be for that super hardcore s1000 double r buyer but look at the spread between the most specked out s1000 double r and that thing how much does it cost to buy the most specked out s1000 double r 22 ish so you're telling me there is like a nearly fifty thousand dollar price difference between this bike and that one and we all i mean from the retail side of it i knew the people that bought s1000 double r's they they were trying to buy the best bang for the buck and to be able to say i have a german they're value buyers right they're value yeah. buyers value buyers don't buy eighty thousand dollar one-off super bikes. that's the issue so that's bmw was trying to kind of work two very different angles on on their s1000 double r and this hp4 race bike and the minute it came out we're all like at the dealership going what I mean, it's super cool, and we're all going to watch every video we can find on this thing, but what? Where are you going to sell this thing to? Good luck. That, that, that I think, is the point exactly, because I think the typical BMW S1000 RR buyer is not the kind of buyer that's going to buy an HP4 race. Like no. the, so you have dealerships that literally have like no Rolodex to reach out and say, like, hey, Bob, you're one of our our whale clients like you always buy that crazy fifty thousand dollars thing that comes along here right. you go bud yeah sign on up they don't have that guy in the rolodex and, and maybe that's, that's what they need to do if they're going to go to that next level they should start talking about making like you know a race homologation version that's street legal that costs 40 grand so on and so forth that's why ducati always sells out of their super Legeris. and that was uh, honestly i think that was the other thing that kind of put the nail in the coffin for that hp4 it was like Here's the HP4. Up oh, here's the Superleggera. Same it price. It literally didn't help. It literally didn't help <laughs> to have the Superleggera come out, make better performance figures, and be street legal. And, street legal. and oh, by the way, like look pretty fucking rad. Fuck, look beautiful. So that paint job I and the Superleggera made even, you want to like reach into it. I think I literally said in the story like when it came out, like I feel bad for BMW that the Superleggera 1299 just they, came out. They released it, and then Ducati was like, "Oh yeah, hold my <laughs> hold my beer, hold my wine, and watch." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's tough because it's it's so it it's such a cool bike. It's such a good bike. Um, I think whoever bought one has one of the coolest bikes in their garage. I will not discount it that you know, way. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to predict in my crystal ball, like 20 years from now, like what's going to be like a collector bike that you wish you'd you'd picked up. And I feel like that's going to be one of them, probably. And especially like, for as little as they made. I mean, think of all the bikes. It's going to be of, super rare. Yeah. The, the Ducati, uh, the sport classics that they made in the mid, like 2006, 7, 8, they couldn't sell them worth a hoot when they were in dealerships brand new. And then a movie came out and it suddenly made the bike really, really cool. And now you're finding them with 13,000, 14,000 miles on them being sold for like 15, 16 grand. And so maybe this will happen with us. There's so few of them sold that 20 years from now, people are going to go, holy shit, I've never seen one of these in person. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I look at I look at it from this way, right? Let's let's look at a different German company. Let's look at Kramer. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have this on like good authority, but I bet some Mountain Dew on it. I bet Kramer sold more of their track only bikes than BMW did with this HP4 race. Because their most expensive track ready bike was twenty four ish. Okay. But they did it, Shaheen, without any marketing, without any dealer network, without any 
Alaman TT race wins or professional super world renowned riders or yeah. international series or, or any marketing teams and, and all that power that's behind the BMW brand. And you sit there and you're just like, really? Like those guys, those guys outsold you? Like, what did you do wrong? Like, yeah. Like, I you're, you're seen, this big, you're BMW, man. You're the, yeah. you're the brand. I haven't seen an updated list since, since kind of summer of 2018. But at that point, like, we were measuring bikes sold in the teens. <laughs> Shit. So, like, if they broke 20. Yeah. I mean, in Portland alone, they, I've seen I, five. I doubt they broke 30. No. Uh, and, and in terms of HP4 races sold. And I, yeah, like you said, right here in Portland, we've got five Kramers. Yep. That I know of. Right. There's more. I know there's, there's more. more. So, oh, man. I, I don't know. Someone should have lost their job over that. That's all I'm saying. Somebody at the very least got a spanking. A very stern talking, though. Very, very. Yeah. No snitches. The Germans. I don't, why are all my accents Russian? I like your German-Russian, though. I mean, it's like... <laughs> it's like Soviet-Russia, no HP4 for you. World War II ended very different. <laughs> it's like... Uh, Man of the High Castle, like it, it happened very different. That show is so freaky. Good, love it. I like it a lot. It's really good. Did you see the latest season, season three? No, no I gotta get up. To I've space. been watching really other. Good. I've been watching the most ridiculous shows, man. Mm. Big Mouth. I can't get love enough Big of Mouth. It. Yep, been yeah. watching that. That's good. It's uh, what's the other one? Paradise PD. Don't know that one. Just put it on, find it, laugh your ass off. It's I just on watched Friends from College. It's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, um, Future Man. Holy shit. Oh, it's on Hulu. It's a Hulu thing. Oh, I don't have Hulu. You can come I gave over. up Hulu. Hulu's garbage. I have Hulu at the house and I have steaks. Come over. Done. On, <laughs> on my gold you're going in the icy day. <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is because it's got the bags, I can take some food home. What? What? So I'm living the dream. Um, well, sir, we're just crossing the two hour mark now, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Because I don't know if we're going to get another show out on time. I, we're going to try like hell, but we're both going to be out of town a lot in the next month and a half. I leave in a couple days, and then while I'm gone, you leave, and then we get back. So I don't think our next show is going to come out for like another 10 days, maybe? So we have a lot to say to you guys so, then. Apologies then, but we'll have a lot Yeah, we'll have a lot to say. Um, but keep your ears out. We'll try and get something out to you. We've got um, some cool things lined up. The industries. it's... It, we're getting we're getting to that time of the year. We've got uh, out here in Portland. We've got the one show coming up. I've got a bunch of press launches on my calendar. Uh, we're getting some bikes in the garage. Shaheen's got his mind on the BDR. Yep. So we've got like some things percolating. And and if the winter is mild, Shaheen, we're gonna be doing some some riding. Uh, we're already. I mean, we met with the boys today and uh, the you know, boys, the boys, the BDR boys. Um, and by the way, not a boys only club. So if you're a female rider and you want to do BDR with us, come hang. In the, in the Portland, Pacific Northwest-ish yep. um, area. So we were talking about it, and it's like, well, it's such a mild winter. Where do we want to do our first ride? So we've uh, we've been looking to see where we can go next. But I want to start talking about uh, your upcoming Omerge race, races that are going to be coming up, so what you're going to be doing to get prepared for these things, and what I'm going to be doing to getting ready for my big BDR rides. And I've had a lot of people email and text and call and ask me, hey, what do you do? So we're going to talk about the what to do's and how to get ready for these things. And they're just our opinion. So we'll give them ours. And then uh, if people got other uh, things they want to add to it, call us. What's that phone number again? Oh, man, you're going to make me like figure it out all over again. <laughs> it is 510-Mountain-Dew-6, M-T-N-D-E-W. If you want the numbers for that, which you probably do, it is 510-686-3396. 
So you can leave a voicemail. Yep. We'll play it on the show. Um, if it's a question, we'll we'll answer it. If it's not a question, uh, well, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll just listen to it. I suppose. Yeah, why not? We can always reach us on social media as well. Yep. We're pretty good at answering back. I'm not. Shaheen is. I am. I'll forward it to Jensen. I usually just leave him a, I call him at like two in the morning. Hey, hey, check your emails. Like, I'm trying to sleep, motherfucker. I'm like, no, Coda Kitty. No, no Coda. It's no. not breakfast time. Stop licking my face. Uh, where can we, where can people find us on the social media, Shaheen? They can find us on Instagram at Brap Talk, at Brap Talk, B-R-A-P Talk, uh, on Facebook, which is Brap Talk uh, Motorcycle Podcast, I believe, right? Yes. Facebook.com uh, slash Brap Talk. Yep, we'll get you yep. there. Uh, Instagram. I already said that. Twitter. Twitter. Uh, I think it's at Brap Talk. It's not. We Brap Talk. We Brap Talk. Some motherfucker took that. Yeah. So, someone someone took the, some, like they have like five posts. That should just be like a uh, label. Or talk to somebody about that. So uh, on Twitter at We Brap Talk. And then if you want to email us, uh, I think it is also We Brap Talk at gmail.com. Yes, it is. It is. If you listen to this show on the Apple Podcast app, Please, please, please leave us a review. Leave us a rating. Tell us what's up. Give a shout out to Coda Kitty. Uh, it really helps other people find the show on Facebook. There's a ton of you that have. I said Facebook. I, I meant podcast. App. <laughs> you know what I mean. The it, internet it helps us get this found if you fad. leave these good comments and and uh, uh, five star reviews too. Because when somebody looks for it, it, it comes up easier. Yeah, a bunch of Mazda more should not be the first thing that comes up when you search Brap Talk. Because what do they do about Brap Talk? No, we, we come up first. It's just they're like second it's it's a weird thing I'm so but glad a bunch of you have already one. done it so thank you for that yep. we really appreciate it appreciate it and um buh, 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 buh. i think that's it I think that's we, it i think we're i out. love all the comments about gold wheels that i get on my dms people have been finding me on my personal mo- uh at moto whatever the hell it's called moto brapping instagram and they're always like check out these gold wheels yes you're listening i love it it's a thing now. tell me the thing yeah i like gold wheels what about it who are you calling gold I like gold. <laughs> All right. With that, sir, what do we say? I say safety third and make good choices. Good talk. I'll see you out there. Bye. Like, no, 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 no. You have snow tires on in July. We get like one day of snow in the city as it is. Like, I don't even know why you're bothering putting them on, but you're in the middle of summer. You're the reason we can't have nice things. You should be dragged out in the street and shot.